Yes, hello. I am James Rhodes, and today it's the WNR three three two. We are looking at the Dusty Classic and NXT Takeover Vengeance Day, and I have the pleasure to be joined by the Mind of Monty. How you doing, mate? You're right. Oh man, I'm I'm doing fine, and uh, I'm glad to be back here for another edition of the WNR podcast. I'm happy, I'm ready to get into it. <laughs> How are well, you? Uh, I'm fine, thank you very much. It's great to have you back on. Like I said, the uh, last time you were here it was for nxt new year's evil and of course uh, a lot has happened then so we're on the road to uh st valentine's days which is now vengeance day and of course the uh dusty classic so like i said we're going to get straight into it and hopefully uh give everybody who's listening the action that is needed here for nxt basically starting off now with uh, the january 13th edition and we ended with a video package about the dusty cup we told that MSK versus Swerve and Atlas is also tonight. Uh, first and foremost, what are your thoughts about the Dusty Classic as a kind of concept and a competition in itself? Uh, I always have an appreciation for it. It's not, first of all, WWE as a company, I, I'm, I love tournaments. Like, that's one of the things that drew me to New Japan, the, the G1 of the New Japan Cups. Hold on just a second. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Anyway, I love the New Japan Cup. I love, uh, uh, you know, tournament in wrestling. I love that concept. The King of the Ring, historically, in WWE, I love those. So the fact that we have a tag team tournament that they've focused on, you know, yearly now since, what, I think 2015, 16. Uh, so, it's, you know, I, I always get a, a good enjoyment out of uh, these tournaments. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was really excited about this one. And, of course, the history-making women's one. So. Yeah, definitely excited about this. Well, the action starts off on the January 13th edition with Shotzi Blackheart versus Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae defeating Blackheart uh, with a net breaker off the top. The way we celebrate as we see Finn Balor walking to the ring. And we see Black SUV pulling up with tag champs and Pete Dunne going to head outside. We see NXT champion in the ring. We get back from a break. And Finn gives us uh, today's date, reminds us that he's still champ. One thing about Balor recently, I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if you notice it. But the Irish accent has become thicker than ever with Finn Balor right now. I agree 100%. He's definitely, uh, I think he reminds me a lot of who he was, especially uh, not only at the end of his run in New Japan, but just like, you know, that, that, that you know, Fergal. He reminds me of like who he is, like that, just so him. You know, he definitely lost that, you know, as, especially when he went up on the main roster. And it's just a nice touch to this, Prince character it gives I don't know what it is about it but it, it really works with who he is as a character I, it's believable it's because you know that's actually part of him so yeah I, I, I like that touch too well he puts over Carlo Riley is great but not on his level he says there's an X on his chest for a reason whoever wants to take aim needs to do it but the cloth from his cut from, they've stopped making that uh, again great promo by Finn but Dunn is out with the tag team champions uh, he says that he thinks uh, Balor is a poster boy for European wrestling, but the only reason he hasn't got the, he's still got the belts because Pete hasn't taken it. They attack him, and just when it looks like it's going bad, the undisputed era are here, and uh, Riley Adam Cole and Sean clear out the ring as they trade verbal blows. Um, Finn doesn't seem happy, but leaves without any further incident. We then get Grizzled Young Veterans versus Everise, and of course, Zach Gibson. Uh, promos his way to the ring. They debuted in the Dusty Cup last year and went to the finals. So they have bad news for anyone hoping for an upset tonight. They're soon to be recognised as this year's winner and the next challenges for the tag titles. Great promo by uh, Zach 
Gibson, without any doubt. Uh, why did you pick Grizzled Young Veterans? Uh, of course, your team are in action right now against Everise. Why did you pick them for this year's Dusty Club? Uh, a, a lot of that had to do with how impressed with them I was from last year's Dusty Cup. I, I have to admit they impressed me, and I, I just liked them as a team. You know, grizzled is a perfect word to describe them. They're really uh, good. They they work together really well. You know, and it's not just just gritty, like not not just like their gritty style and just their wrestling style together. It's like the promos, uh, you know, from Gibson uh, every time are usually on the money, in my opinion. It's just I really, really like them, and I thought that I think I, that's the reason why I was thinking at the time that they were perfect for that uh, for the throne. You know, again, like you said, they were runner-ups, and it would have been nice. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's another thing I didn't really th- think about earlier, but the Dusty Cup, ha- as you go through that history, has a thing with impromptu teams winning. And I, I really wanted gr- the Grizzly Young Vets to be, you know, since they were a team that I was familiar with, to be an actual tag team that won this tournament. So that's that would win into my uh, line of th- yeah. What about uh, you? I, I think that's right. I think with mine, it's like kind of the old ball uh, tag uh, tag team mix. You know, if I maybe known who MSK were or you know, looked into it maybe a little bit, but I thought with my oddball pairing of kind of Dane and, um, like I said, Maverick, you never know with the Dusty Classic. They do throw up some surprises. Exactly. Uh, we'll see how my team gets on in a bit, but your team, uh, General Manager William Regal, welcomes the teams and us to the tournament. Martel's ready to Drake. Forearm blast Gibson for the open, clotheslines and a tag, but Gibson breaks up the tandem follow-up. They connect with the next attempt, but Zap breaks up the pin. Things break down with all four involved. Ticket to Mayhem on Martel comes after Parker catches an elbow to the head, and Grizzled Young Veterans defeat Everise via pinfall to advance to round two of the Dusty Cup. It was a strong start for your pick. We didn't yes, get and I was not surprised at all. They were playing, they were fighting Everise, so I, I wasn't that surprised. But yeah, it was great, <laughs> great debut. <laughs> yeah, there'll be there'll be tougher matches ahead. Um, we get a video recap of the last women's standard match from New Year's Eve, narrated by the winner, Raquel Gonzalez. She says very Ripley, it's just like 2020, a bad memory you're trying to forget. And she's looking for the NXT Women's Champion here, Shy. And there's a baddest bitch in town, her name is Raquel Gonzalez. This is about building a badass. When I when I saw this, it was unbelievable. Um, after break, Mackenzie checks in with Shotzi. She's not happy with what happened earlier, but she's not going to dwell on it. Blackheart is going to focus on the future. She knows uh, Lorraine Hart will be in the Dusty Cup, so she needs a partner. Ryder dies. She wants someone she can go to war with, and it's Ember Moon. And they run through the catchphrase and vow to be the first winners of the women's tournament. It's good shit. I mean, like I said, the women's Dusty Classic happening. Um, and, of course, Ember Moon and uh, Shotzi Blackheart teaming up. Do you think it was right for the Dusty women? I mean, it's obviously right for the women to have a chance at Dusty Classic. But, you know, maybe at the same time, or maybe should have taken preference over the men's tournament this year. Oh man, you know what? That's a that's a, a way I didn't even really think about it. Uh, I do think it's definitely like you said, right? That they have one, and simultaneously, honestly, I can understand how that you know maybe that could be uh, maybe hard to keep up with at times, or you know, especially with like you said, when it could take precedence uh, over the male version. And also, let's just be honest, we talked about this for for months with NXT. They don't have the strongest male tag team like it's not deep it's not that deep really when it comes to actual tag teams uh so yeah i could i could have seen it them taking precedence over but them doing it at the same time didn't bother me too much but i can understand how that could have you know got hard to keep up with after a while when you're doing two of them at the same time 
Yeah, well, next match is Johnny Gagano versus Dexter Loomis. And of course, we've seen Dexter's drawing, and uh, Johnny is not fun- is not finding it funny at all. Uh, this is uh, you, you kind of standard between the two. Uh, Fury ends up taking a suplex from the apron, but Johnny manages to slide into stack Loomis up for the free count to get the victory. And then Loomis slides behind Fury after the belt to lock in the silence as Gagano puts the boots in, but Kushida comes to make the save and he gets uh, Gagano in the hoverboard lock as Loomis grabs Austin for silence. Uh, as Kushida shows Johnny his North American belt as Poseovan to end the segment. I thought this was quite well done for both faces to get one over the hills with the double submission at the same time. Yes, I think it was a great uh, moment. Uh, you know, like you said, in the storyline, also setting the tone for what was to come in this rivalry between Gargano and, you know, Theory and Loomis and uh, and Kushida. Uh, uh, I definitely think it sent the right message. And like you said, it really made the babyfaces look strong, uh, which is always a good uh, thing when you're going, especially when, when you know it's going to lead to a title match down the line. So, yeah, I thought this was really, really strong stuff. Uh, Way bowed interview to Master Chump and Timothy Thatcher uh, ahead of their fight pit match next week. And then we get as well have Scott and Jay Catless versus MSK. And MSK are in fact the rascals now going by Nash Carter. That was Zachary Wentz and Wesley Desmond Xavier. Um, Things break down as Swerve comes in just as Atlas nails Lee with a bridging suplex. Uh, newly formed team is on the same page. Spinning slam from Jake puts Lee down for a 450 from Scott. But Carter breaks up the cover. Lee is set up the corner. But Nash comes in to take out Atlas before he can tandem suplex. Carter recovers to make tag just as Lee sends Scott flying with head scissors. They start swerve for the finisher, a blockbuster for a heart attack setup. And that is their MSK are through to round two. The losing team argues amongst themselves as the winners check out the trophy in case of the stage. Uh, what were your thoughts on MSK? I'm not going to lie, I've not really seen a lot of impact uh, past maybe a couple of years or so, so I weren't really sure about the rascals. Uh, were you surprised, him? Were you happy? Did you know him? Oh, I, I knew of them. I have seen them uh, select few times that I have checked out Impact. I'm just like you. I have not checked them out consistently for a while. Uh, you know, uh, Impact being being there, but I was definitely a little bit familiar that this team, the Radicals, were pretty good before they got here. But I honestly, this is also the first time I really got a chance to just really watch them to try to you know see what they have. To offer, and I I really love their some of their tag team moves and how it comes, how the matches are put together, and like uh, the way I love uh, Wesley's hot tag, you know, and as which I, I fell in love with just throughout this tournament. But uh, yeah, I, I I really was impressed with them, even though I was I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna act like I knew I was like very familiar with them, but I knew mm-hmm. of them before this, and yeah, I was impressed. Well, it's even like you talk about the the standard moonsault when uh, he gets pushed across, yeah. and when you see it, you see a move like that, you think, "Have I actually seen that before?" Or you know, you're going, "Why why hasn't that been done?" Because it is quite a cool looking move, and like I said, they definitely did bring something different to a lot of tag teams in NXT. You know, I, I agree, and I think that's what that's the thing that I like the most. They're different. They're uh, not only are they an actual team; they just seem like they're going to make the division stronger. And like I said, their teamwork, like they felt like that's another. I really liked it. I know I, I, you might hear that a lot throughout this since this is the classics, since we're going through all of the classic matches. But man, like you said, the creativity is like what I really liked the most about them. So yeah, I, I really was impressed. And uh, you know, I also I want to say about this particular match, I was surprised that Swerve and Jake Atlas didn't implode sooner. If you see what I'm saying, they argued a little bit afterwards. 
But I, I thought it would be a little bit different. You know, I thought maybe it would come into play in the match. But it didn't, and I'm I'm not mad at it either. But, yeah, that's just one interesting thing I thought of. We see Scarlett put in a video talking about how they took out Damien Priest and how they danced with the Prince. And then we get Zia Lee versus Mystery opponents. They make their entire so CWC look like a temple. So Zuma and Mystery Labour doing Zia's entrance. No time to get opponent's name, and it is over and done with before anything get done. We'll get on to... Uh, Zia Lee or Zia Lee in a little bit. We then see Cantazaro and Carter wearing matching neon mesh tops and cut the promo. How they're going to shock the world come the first ever women's Dusty Cup. Uh, then we see the main event is making the way to the ring. was taking another break. We see Swerve and Atlas being separate. Bronson Reed got them apart. Scott was upset. Reed took Jake's side. And then we learn that next week, the first women's Dusty match. And we'll also have the way in Kushida and Ruff and the Pyramid versus Lucha House Party. But our main event is Bree Zango versus the... Uh, Undisputed era, though Riley's out with Cole and Strong when he announces worried. He's here to the jaw injury without being cleared. And Cole, uh, Cole and Breeze start prove to be even in match. There's some great action. Fleury signature moves everyone's down. The tag team champions are done running. Riley cuts them off. The members get to them, get ready to boot Cole jaw first in the scaffolding. Balor runs in, but when he deals with Lorcan and Birch Bruce White slams, Kyle O'Reilly jaw first into the fence. Kyle rouses to see what's happened and walks into a supermodel kick. He kicks out. Mandango try to follow up with something off the top. Jumped right into a super kick, and the undisputed era get the victory in advance to round two. They check on O'Reilly, who's bleeding from the mouth. There's a hill stand on the stage. We'll see. See, they took out Ballo, who's aided out next to Cole, who's clutching his arm. This is a good show. Um, one of the things I was going to say about the main event, it just shows you how talented Breezango are, you know? Oh, definitely. I think they've been underrated for a long time. I remember their SmackDown run a few years ago before when they were doing the Fashion Files and before – they uh, even had to come back to NXT. Uh, they were always entertaining, not only in those promos, but when they had their eventual title match, I thought that was one of the best matches, best stories. They came so close. I was definitely rooting for them. They are underrated. Tyler Breeze is somebody, if you've been watching NXT for a long time, especially since the uh, you know the, the original crop of guys like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, those they Finn Balor originally. Tyler Breeze, when he was just a supermodel, I thought was absolutely great in NXT. So, and I've always liked uh, Brizongo, I mean, Fandango in the ring. I've always liked him in the ring. So, uh, not so much the dancing character, but him in the ring, always liked him. So, uh, I, I really agree with you. This really showed just how much they can do. They can be serious, although, you know, they, they want to entertain. And I, I like that balance. And honestly, I, I thought this also, when you think about how good they are, you can really look back and say, ah, you know, them as tag team champions, maybe they could have did a little bit more, even though I'm not not, not complaining at all about the current tag team. No, no, exactly. And like I said, they made a statement. We've done getting one over a battle on the ride, of course, at the end of the show. But also what take uh, what, sorry, what the Dusty Classic did, and I thought this was quite clever, was make me watch 205 Live because the January 15th edition of 205 Live had uh, matches in the Dusty Cup. Well, my pick Dane and Maverick were in action. Yes, Kitty and Dane on 205 Live. And it didn't really fill me with joy <laughs> that my picks were on that show either. But uh, we start off with Woking Wild and Real Mendoza defeating the Bollywood Boys. Uh, the Bollywood Boys try to coax 205 Live announcers into a pre-match dance. And uh, Joves has said if they win the Dusty Classic, he will dance. Uh, the 
Hollywood boys did come within a heartbeat of victory combination. The suplex on the top row, elbow drop to Mendoza, but Wilde interrupted the count just in time. Moments later, a vicious double-team maneuver to Snil propelled Legala del Fantasma into the second round, much as like the smirking Esquire at ringside. This wasn't a bad match. If the Bollywood boys were elsewhere, though, would they be more successful? Because they're not a bad tag team, are they, you know? No, they're not. I think they have been, you know, stifled maybe with just, you know, not only just creative, but nobody really wanting to have, they don't have, they can't really escape not only being gender, uh, like gender Mahal's underlings for a while. I don't think they've had a chance to actually show what they can do, you know, other than being on this platform of two or five live that as we all know is not, you know, no one, not too many people are checking for 205 live consistent. At least I don't know that many people who are. So uh, I, I think they definitely are entertaining. And I think, like you said, if they were with other organizations, who knows, man, it could be all over the, uh, all over, you know, another television program. I think it's plenty of guys like that, honestly, on WWE's roster who maybe if you give them direction in somewhere else and actually a chance, you actually could see some things, see a lot of special things from them. But I always thought the Bollywood boys were entertaining. I will say that. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And then the main event was Killian Day and the Drake Maverick uh, versus Kurt Stallion and August Grey. Uh, WWE do love the oddball couple, but I think Drake works well with others. It's a great talent to have when you can just be put in a situation and you can kind of work off other people. And we've seen that in his career. Uh, and also after receiving an early tag from Maverick, Dane introduced himself by immediately hurling Gray to the turnbuckles. And after tav- tagging Maverick back in, he hoisted his partner onto his shoulders and rabbed Maverick free into Stallion and Gray. And uh, one thing I loved about this match was Maverick moaning and saying, oh, please don't pick me up and throw me again. And Dane just wouldn't have it. He was using <laughs> Maverick as a weapon in this match. Took out Gray with a crossbody and Dane powerbombed Stallion. Where Maverick went for a high five, Dana said powerbomb to former 205 Live general manager on top of Stallion for the one, two, three. And like we said, Drake used to be general manager of 205 Live and now he's participating in the Dusty Classic. It's amazing what can happen in a career in WWE, isn't it? Really? <laughs> right? Oh my God, what a spectrum. Uh, don't forget his 24 7 championship <laughs> run in between. I think while he was still. Supposed to be General Mount. He's also managed AOP, I think, at one point in time. <laughs> if yeah. I remember it right. Like he's had a interesting journey to say the least all the way to having his fired angle on t- in television, you know. It's like him being fired, being played on television. Like, oh my goodness, it's, it's insane where we've come uh with Drake Maverick just in such a uh not that long a time either, uh, by the way. But uh I agree. I, I do want to I tell you one thing about Maverick and Dane that I really like. Teams who I've seen teams like this who don't necessarily get along, who fight, who sometimes they were their partner would use them as a weapon, or even sometimes even teams would get along. You see it as a spot. They are one of the teams that I see do that multiple times a match. It's <laughs> always entertaining. Where it's almost like Kane is beating up three people instead of working with his partner. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I'd love that touch to their match. Uh, like I said, it was a really good match. And then we move on to the January 20th edition of NXT. Uh, and our first match is Leon Ruff and Kushida versus Johnny Gargano and Austin 
Theory. Theory came in to save his mentor, but Shida took them both out. And after the dive, uh, he rolls Johnny in, but misses the kick. Gagana answers with a super kick, but it's full off. He's countered into an armbar. Theory with the save yet again. Johnny Kushida trades strikes, and Gagana makes it to his corner. Double team gets two on Kushida. Frustrated, Johnny sets up for the meet in the middle, but Ruff flies in to save his partner. He flies to take out Theory, which has Kushida bridge out, suplex, and get the free. Johnny Gagano and uh, Rush, uh, Ruff and Kushida or Rashida, as they might be known, uh, advanced to the second round of the Dusty Classic. Um, not not a bad way to start. Um, obviously, we're building up, you know, Johnny and Kushida feud, and to have it involved in the Dusty Classic just made sense, you know? Right, I agree. That's one thing, like I said, again, uh, uh, that's another strong characteristic of, like, the G1, for example. It's, it's always, the G1 has so many people in it, everybody has some type of story weaved into you know, even like not only the point story of like the point totals because they do a round robin type of thing in New Japan, uh, but uh, also like just like you said, interweaving multiple storylines that may not even have an end goal of having anything to do with the Dusty Classic, but you can still like you know proceed to move forward stories. So it's always the great. That's one thing I love about tournaments in general. Uh, and that's not that's the same about this tournament. Yeah, and like, the important thing is, like I said, when done right, and this is what we're seeing at this moment. We didn't get a Pete Dunn video package talking about Finn Balor. I love the idea of Dunn versus Balor. Uh, Dunn should win definitely, but I'll get into that in a little bit. The announcers tell us Carlo Riley is clear fraction. We learn Karen Cross will be in action next week. And then we see Adonis, Dusty partner Desmond Troy is there and watches as Ashante lands some strikes, but they don't phase Cross, who snaps off a Saito suplex. Donna sells it, another one, but tells referee he wants to continue. Big forearm to the neck, ends it, and Karen Cross defeats Ashante. Adonis via pinfall. As Troy checks his partner with ref and trainer, Cross grabs him, puts him in a straight jacket. He leaves them both laying. Um, I put it, should Priest get his revenge? And obviously, since then, Damien Priest has gone to the main roster. I know you're a huge fan of Priest, so it would be remiss to ask you, how do you think he's doing since he made his way up in the Rumble? Well, I think so far he's been doing uh, about as well as you can be with what he's been given. It seems like they're going with uh, maybe like a, a Bad Bunny and and Priest team, maybe against Miz and Morrison for Mania. I don't know, but either way it goes, I, I think right now uh, he's fine. The problem is just kind of like where uh, kind of like where we, where we was with Keith Lee when you're on the main roster and once you fall out of favor and all of that, then, you know that can always happen. You can always be on a whim that next thing you know, it seems like, ah, nobody wants to give you something. We got literally, I was talking about this on the Mind of Monty podcast earlier. We got multiple guys like Alistair Black, Andrade, Keith Lee now, who are great in, in like, in, I think all three, all three of those guys are NXT champions. And they have all seem to be out of favor with creative on the main roster and not getting much of anything to do right now. So that's always a fear in the back of my mind with Priest. But I think Priest is a star, and I think they got to be out of their mind to uh, to not see that. But, you know, I, they've been out of their mind on a couple of people that I think uh, – <laughs> plenty of people I think could have been stars. So, you know, it's always the luck of the draw on the main roster. So I hope everything continues to go fine. But, uh, yeah, as of right now, he's okay. Yeah, no, I completely agree with it. And just to – Talk about that just a, a little bit. I I found out something the other day that I, I couldn't believe. And obviously, Bo Dallas is still employed with the WWE. He's only 30 years old. So there's still so much more. 
He's only and 30. And another champion, right? Another NXT champion yeah. who was champion at 24, if I remember. So just think about that. Think about what he's been able to do just in the six years since being champion at 24. Like, <laughs> like he hasn't. He's done almost to nothing since they they have nothing for him. And it's sad, honestly, when you hear about him just coming to work every week and them literally just having nothing for him to do. They keep him on the contract. It's just I don't. I mean, I don't understand it. It's it's, it's like I said earlier, so many, so much talent that could be used for other things. Even if he was just like an underling for the Firefly Funhouse for his brother or something, anything could work out like better than just having the body backstage. Come on, man. It, it's crazy. Yeah. No, exactly. And it's, 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 it's hard to understand sometimes. But anyway, back to our next team. We see MSK video package. Uh, doing uh, Nash Carter doing bright impressions to throw off other teams, and then Bamoon puts them over as one of the most innovative teams in the world. And you see the snippets of their fallout video from last week. They bow to win the cup, and then Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm get a quick promo, say it doesn't matter that they're not friends because they're going to win the Dusty Classic. And up next is Imperium versus Lucha House Party. And after Lucha House Party tag, they snap off a nifty top rope drop kick, sunset flip for another near fall. Things break down, and I can't keep track of everything that's going on, but the end comes off the metallic <laughs> flies to take out Eichner on the floor, and a shoot start press from Dorado and Barthel ends it. Lucha House Party defeat Imperium to advance to the second round of the Classic. Ooh, Alexander Wolf shows up on the stage after his night, then Barthel snap to attention. This was an upset, wasn't it, you know? Definitely an upset. I was not expecting that. Although, as someone who really enjoys, uh, for the most part, at first it was Grand Man of the League, but Lindsay is also growing on me the last few times I got I had a chance to see them. That's what that's one thing also, the Dusty Classic. Got teams, you know, or people like that that you that know that may have something who don't usually get a chance, like Lucha House Party, get a chance to show what they can do. In, in like in the ring in a you know elevated type of match with with time to show you everything they have to offer and I was definitely impressed shocked of course would be the word because I thought Imperium would take the win uh, but yeah I was definitely impressed with what Lucha House Party brought to the table I always like what Grand Metalik can do he's just he, he wows me but like I said Lince was also impressive so Lucha House Party in my opinion really put uh, put on a good show representing what they can do also. Well, we see official fight pit Ryan from earlier, and after break, Mr. Regal introduces Beth Phoenix. She lists off the many big-name women who's come through NXT, and all pictures are highlighted on the CWC screens. That was really, really nice. The teams are standing around with a trophy in the stage, and the first competitors push through the others for a stare-down at the trophy, and then we get Tony Storm, Mercedes Martinez, versus Katie Cantazaro and Caden Carter. Uh, Tony will slam into a single leg crab as both partners get to their corners, she yanked off the apron. It's Io Shirai. She pays her back by smashing off the announce desk. Carter puts Storm down, and Casey flies off the top with a corkscrew 450 swanton thing. That's pretty amazing uh, to get the victory. I mean, I say corkscrew 450. I think she was maybe trying a 630, and it was just one of those things where it looked awesome. Uh, and again, it was another upset, but it's a good thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's definitely a good thing, especially because I believe, again, and I'm always going to root for teams that are trying to be legit teams. And I think at this point we know Caden and Casey are a legit, you know, tandem. And uh, I really like the fact that they got this win. It also elevated them. They beat, you know, Tony Storm and, you know, Mercedes Martinez, you know, officially. So that's still an impressive victory. You know, uh, no matter how it happened, although I, I will say I, I was not surprised that EO made 
her presence felt. I thought that was one of the things that I knew was going to happen uh, from from this match. And I like I agree, the six thirty thing is always impressive. But I have to say, sometimes her rotation is just scares the hell out of me. Sometimes I really <laughs> be happy when she lands it and everybody seems okay because wow, like the rotation is sick. Like you said, it looks very very good. But man, is it terrifying if that you know if she rotates a little bit too far or if she lands in the head to neck area? Like man, it could be scary sometimes. But oh, when it's great, I mean, when it works, oh man, it's great to see. All right. Uh, well, we see the NXT champion walking into Mr. Regal's office. He wants Pete Dunn, but Mr. Regal says he understands that. But Balor needs a partner because he can take the uh, tag team champions up first. Balor says he doesn't have friends, but he bet he can find a guy who plays air guitar to help him out. And then we see Isaiah Squat serve Squat, if I can say that right, say something to Bronson Reed and he heads to the ring after the break. Uh, and then we Mackenzie tells us Shanti O'Donnell might be able to compete in this Dusty Classic match on 205 Live Friday. And then we see Carter and Cancelaro running, celebrating they're going to win it all. Bronson Reed versus Tyler Rust. Um, Bronson Reed defeats Rust pretty easily, and Bivens is clearly still perplexed by his client's matchmaking. Uh, and then Mitchell tells Finn Mr. Eagle booked his match with a partner for the Tag Team Champions next week. We then see Cruiserweight Champion Santos Escobar on stage, where Mike Bray brags about he's beaten all the challenges, and he puts over the game of Fantasma to win the Dusty Classic. Uh, we see Lucha House Party interrupt, and they're facing off. And then Kurt Stallion runs into even the odds to stand tall. And then Killian Dane and Drake Maverick talk about their win on 205 Live. We learn that their match with MSK is next week. What could go wrong? Uh, and then we get the big fight pit intros. We go into a break. And then when we're back, um, this was a crazy match. And the bit where the referee's knocked on all fours and Champa uses that to set up Willow's bell was just genius. They begin training shots, slugging it out. Chumper drives Thatcher's head into the steel with DDT as the fair tear ending. He then applies a rear naked choke. But Thatcher gets to his feet and breaks it, doing Chumper into the cage. Thatcher traps Chumper in the cage corner with his leg, then twists it into another in a cage assisted stretch muffler Ooh. to get the submission. Um, afterwards, the two men sat opposite each other without saying anything. Thoughts? Um, what were your thoughts on this match? Because the fight pit just delivered again. I agree. I think Thatcher should be in every fight pit they ever do. <laughs> he just he just fits it so well because he can be so brutal. And of course, if Matt Riddle and him would have a great uh, match in my in my opinion in that environment, I knew for a fact that Champa with his you know also physical and brutal style would work perfectly. And I think they both did a great job of not only you know being the right amount of just you know heartless and brutal because it fits both of their characters they also just look very very tough and and like i I just again i think this this match was not only perfect for these two guys but it was just a great fight all together it's called a fight pit and this match was not it didn't feel like a regular match it felt like a fight you know two guys clawing and fighting and that's exactly the vibe you want to have in the fight pit scenario and I, i love thatcher and i think he's impressed Almost in everything he's done, you know, program-wise, Timothy Thatcher has been impressive. Yeah, I kind of want to see him in the fight uh, fight pit every week. You know, I think if he even performs like that, how brutal it would be. Um, I did, I did think Champa with hair looked a bit like Kurt Angle when he had his TNA run when he started growing it out, which is <laughs> not an issue. 
Yeah. It's definitely a weird look at first because I was like, did he did he age uh, ten years? Like, oh, well, it's crazy how how not being clean shaven, and of course he also have the grays that you know yeah. in his beard also now, so it just made him look very very old. Um, respect earned, and the match type is still a success. And then two hundred five live, January twenty second. This will be the first time a women's match has been held on two hundred five live, and. Uh, they appear to be looking down the noses at Gigi Dolan and Cora Jade when the two young superstars made a somewhat peculiar entrance to go against the way. The way took control um, and Hartwell planted Jade with a sidewalk slam and later dropped Dolan with a suplex for the one, two, three before she and Candice joyously posed next to the Dusty Club at ringside. And with the ring ups, Lorraine Hartler reached the semi-finals of the eight-team Women's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. And they'll back the winner of Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon versus Marina Shafir and Zoe Stark, which is on next week's show. Um, this was uh, Jade looked good in this match and gave Hartwell a chance to shine and get the pin. And of course, there will be bigger matches ahead. This was quite good. And then the unlikely tag team partners... And there's, there's some unlikely tag team partners and then some unfathomable combinations of Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher who joined forces just 48 hours after nearly intending each other uh, apart in the fight pit. Uh, they subbed into the Dusty Road Tag Team Classic in place of Troy and Adonis and they took on Nice and Davari. And uh, surprisingly enough, they managed to get the victory uh, through Willow's Bell on Nice. Uh, Ciampa and Thatcher had an uneasy stare down after the bell and in the ring during the walk down at but now the Italian is nevertheless primed for a second round match. Uh, thoughts? Uh, what were your thoughts on this? 48 hours after the fight pit, we talked about oddball combinations. Were you surprised that NXT did this? I think for me, I was pleasantly surprised, if you know what I mean. I agree. I was definitely surprised. And uh, yes, I was pleasantly surprised because I, I just like I mentioned how well they both fit in the fight pit. That's how well as a team they work philosophy wise and just like I said that brutality and that just being a tough bastard like they both represent that to the fullest if you know what I mean so I think them working together uh is perfect you know they don't necessarily have to like each other too I think that makes it even more you know it fit more of their style because you shouldn't after what Chopper did one of the most iconic uh, you know, backstabs in wrestling history. No, no one should ever trust him in a team. So I don't want they don't I don't want them to be friendly. You know what I mean? I thought I thought it worked perfect. But also, what I liked about it is the fact that you didn't have to kind of go through a couple of promo promos of them going. Do you know what? I respect you, and actually, I'm going to team up with you. Because in the end, during the matches, it's just little looks. You know, like little grunts and little yeah, yeah, I'm all right. You, you know, uh, and, and that's the little things that they do. <laughs> It's just brilliant. Right, right. Um, and then also, thing, it worked sorry, well. It put the match over well. I'm sorry. It, it put the match over again also because, like, that match was so good. You can be like, ah, they earned their respect. You don't even have to, like, you just have to, they don't even have to say it, you know? Yeah, it's just like, well, and fine. Uh, I was going to say quickly, Tony Nice, right? Tony Nice looks incredible. I used to call him Absalom because of, obviously, his look. Uh, <laughs> give him a manager. Give him a manager. Give him a good manager. If that fails, then there you go. But you have to take a chance because the way he just looks, like he tried the Cruiserweight Championship, obviously, you know, maybe not strong, but a manager, and I just feel there's there's something there for him, you know? I agree. I think he he's one of those guys from the original uh, 205 Live Rush that was kind of like uh, Ali or a Cedric. I considered him to be just as valuable as even Gulag. I considered all these guys to be valuable in their own way. I know TJP was also 
uh, one of the, the guys that they were trying to get over also on television uh, at a point in time. And, uh, yeah, I, I always kind of took a liking to uh, Tony Nese. I thought there was something for him because I agree he looks like a star. You know, uh, I think if you, like you said, put him with the right mouthpiece maybe, and you can definitely make a great heel champion out of him, Cruiserweight or, you know, even North American if they want to switch him to the to the NXT full-time or maybe even, you know, you never know. He has, like you said, something. But again, so far, everything hasn't clicked the way it should. But uh, yeah, I agree with it. He has the potential to be really, really great. And I don't know if they're wasting it or if they're running out of time with it, but he definitely has everything else other than whatever that little something that makes you, you know, one of the best in the world. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, we move on to January 27th edition of NXT. And we start off with my picks in action Killian Dane and Drake Maverick. Versus MSK bollocks. <laughs> Credit to my team. <laughs> Credit, they didn't start too bad. And uh, then Carter came in hard, distracted, stopping Dane from coming in. Nash takes out both of them with drop kicks and tags in Lee, who shoves in mid standing moonsault onto Drake. Dane breaks up the pin but gets sent to the outside. Lee flies across the ring to hit a blockbuster with Maverick. Then Carter covers him. For free, MSK to beat Drake Maverick and David Pinfall to advance to the semi-finals of the Dusty Classic. I would argue Maverick has loads of charisma and personality compared to most people on the roster. This was a good match. Um, after my team got knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as he, as soon as Maverick was isolated. I said, oh, man, James's peak is in trouble. I knew it. <laughs> You're in trouble. He's in trouble. I knew it. <laughs> like, oh, man. But he, I agree. Maverick is so great at not only just, like you said, his, career, his natural charisma and all of that, but he makes you root for him. Even when you know it's looking bleak for him or his, whatever team he's on or whatever he has going, you know he has a chance because not only – uh, do they not only is it because of like the sympathy you feel for him because he's smaller or whatever he does a really good job of firing you up and thinking okay Ma- you know Maverick can pull this off even when he was isolated but in the back of my mind I knew it was over <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I knew that as well unfortunately but hey wasn't too bad and then up next Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai versus Alaya and uh, Jesse Kamea uh, Stone is in the ring with his clients. Kai enters first, so Gonzalez gets a bit of a spotlight. After a bit more action, Raquel back in. She beats down the liar. Kai runs in for the running boot, but she can't get free. The assault continues into an assisted stomp, but Alaya won't stay down. She eventually gets a DDT on Kai, but both women get tags. Kamea then gets <laughs> gets in, gets booted and chokes down by Gonzalez, who um, pinned them to advance to the semi-finals of Dusty Classic. Uh, Kamaya didn't embarrass herself, but Gonzalez is a complete monster, isn't she, you know? Oh man, this was one of the, this was the Raquel show. She absolutely dominated both of those ladies, and uh, you know I agree. I really was impressed with some of the things I got to see from Jesse Camille, uh in this in the short time that you know this this happened. Uh, I do want to say this though. I have no idea uh, what like is Aaliyah always just seem to be just you know worthless almost like when she doesn't. I've never really seen her get the the. I've never seen her get the positive end of anything. Like as long as I've been watching, at least for a while now, uh, you know, I don't never seen her do much of anything other than you know get beat and you know I don't know. It's either way it goes. <laughs> this was definitely more so about Raquel Gonzalez and just showing you that she is absolutely unstoppable when she wants to be. Uh, I completely agree. One thing about a liar, 
if anybody has got the network and they're listening, uh, I think it's even, I think Breaking Ground, the series, one of the very first kind of reality shows they did on the yeah. network about the development on NXT at the time. And the lie was a part of it kind of building through. And one of the jokes that I've made for many years is her name was Numph. And I always thought <laughs> Numph as a name was just fantastic. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> why Numph? I think you're going to just carry that on. Numph. But yeah. instead, Numph. you change it to a liar. Uh, but like you said, yeah. I mean, that is, that's what, nearly five, six years ago. And she's still finding herself in that position. Um, right. But again, like, it's been a long know, time. We, we never know. We never know. But of course, um, we'll see what happens with the Dusty Classic. We see the way saying they're going to win the entire Dusty Classic. And she's trying to ask Johnny Gagano if Kushida has earned a North American title shot thanks to his two wins over him. Gagano freaks out and Austin Fury explains. We don't say Kushida's name anymore. Uh, we're not used to say it. And as um, <laughs> Johnny is freaking out, Dexter Loomis is behind them. This is all kind of good stuff. But like I say, you know, Johnny Gagano at this moment is just nailing it. And the way he's acting about Kushida now, it is generally funny. You know, it actually is making me laugh. Definitely. Gen- I agree. He genuinely pops consistently since with this, with the, especially since the way has been created. I don't, I, I, he's just absolutely uh, been killing it. And you know how I am. I, I will admit, maybe it's a little New Japan bias. I I'm a Kushida guy also. I love and it's hard to root against Gorgano when he's cracking you up consistently with his antics and the things he say and treating the announce I mean the uh, the interviewers like crap. It's it's just hilarious. It's just hilarious. It is brilliant. And then we get Tyler Rust versus some guy who ends up being Rios. And of course Malcolm Bivens is is picking his opponents now and Tyler Rust gets the victory. Uh, Bivens takes selfie his client posing over his fallen fall, foe. But one thing I thought, and I might be wrong, but I thought Tyler Rust looks like Aaron Paul lookalike. And I just, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I saw it. And then once you see it, you can't unsee it. And it's just, you know. <laughs> it's fair. I actually, yeah. you know what? I, I pulled up the photo as soon as you. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, yeah, it's there. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. I Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was shocked. <laughs> Anybody can see that uh, listening. And like I said, it does look like Jesse. It's a bit weird. But um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, we move on and we see uh, Finn Balor talking. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly steps in and asks if the champ is ready. And he says he always is. And they're ready to uh, take on. Um, the Tag Team Champions late one tonight and then your picks in action next Kushida and Leon Ruff versus the grizzled young veterans and Zach Gibson promos to the ring as usual and then starts with Kushida there's a technical stalemate frustrates, uh, frustrates Gibson when James Drake saves his partner for a whip into the corner it turns the tide doomsday device but Drake can only keep Kushida down for two grizzled young vets can't connect for the ticket to Mayhem and Kushida gets a tag dive takes out Drake at the announce table top rope central takes out Gibson on the other side Drake recovers to save his partner from a top rope splash, however. Ticket to Mayhem, and the Grizzled Young Vets defeat Kushida and Leon Ruff to advance to the semi-finals of the Dusty Classic. This was a really good match. I do love Gibson promos as well. What are your thoughts on this? I agree 100%. Uh, my, I, trust me, I was confident because I just I knew in my heart of hearts that the Grizzled Young Vets should be able to take care of this, you know, kind of makeshift team between Kushida and Ruff. 
Uh, but I agree, they made it very, very interesting <laughs> throughout the match. Kushida absolutely was tearing my 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 pick apart. <laughs> I almost, <laughs> they, they, I was trying, I was rooting for the vets, but I was like, oh my goodness, Kushida. <laughs> but they uh, they did a great job, like you said, the Doomsday device. Absolutely, I, I pop every time I see it. Uh, you know, it's just it's always great, and uh, yeah, it was a very, very strong performance by the vets and uh, by Leon Ruff and Kushida. And I really love what they're doing with Leon Ruff. I thought, uh, after he beat Gargano, you know, maybe he would go back after the Gargano thing, he would go back down to maybe just like doing things, jobbing maybe, and all that type of stuff. He is not a job. Leon Ruff seems like a, a established guy, an, an established guy, and that's thanks to his program. Uh, with Johnny Gargano, and I really like that. I really like uh, the fact that uh, Leon Ruff is still a threat. Yeah, we're about to doubt. And whilst uh, they are looking at the trophy, Gargano Fury run into attack. Uh, the Poche makes rough watch while Gargano hits a slingshot DDT on Kushida. Luma shows up low behind him to scare the way off. We then see Stanley laid out backstage. General manager Winnie Regal checks him and says, Legado! <laughs> As he goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I had in my mind. Santos was getting oh. injured with a group. Regal is pissed. <laughs> and he says, next week you will defend the title against Stallion. And if anything happens to him, the whole group will pay. Um, we then see Tony Storm hit the ring with Mike. She promos about how she wants to destroy EO, which rings out. Shy. There's a takedown by Tony. EO turns it over to Storm to the floor. She's drawing at Storm when Mercedes Martinez attacks from behind. She slams EO down and grabs the belt, which brings Tony in. They argue. Mercedes gets drop kicked in the back, which sends Storm to the floor. Tony needs to Martinez in the corner. Tony pulls herself to safety, but just so she can attack the champ, she sends Shia into the corner and nails her with a tree over hip attacks, then poses with the belt. Um, EO is so cool. I think I'll put that in every comment I will make about her. And I will also take <laughs> uh, this triple threat match. It was really good shit. And then we get an Imperium promo um, to say that Alexander Wolf saying that his return is just the beginning uh, and then we have is Earthworth Scott versus Johnson Reed and of course these are guys who had problems the past couple of weeks the big Aussie um, is battling his power moves and Swerve is you know Swerve has impressed me in uh, in this I, I, I thought it was good chemistry between the two I like both role uh, roles they played here we see Swerve a bit of control but then the big man hulks up puts Scott's down ends it with two uh, tsunami splash uh, what are your thoughts on this? This is obviously, you know, you talk about first and secondary foods. This is pretty much down the right, uh, down on the list of priorities. But Bronson Reed, uh, I think, has got a lot of potential. And I'm quite a fan of Swerve Scott. He's, he's grown on me since he first debuted. I agree. I've always uh, enjoyed, especially in the ring, what Swerve had, I mean, can bring to it. I've really enjoyed his matches for a while now. I think now with this kind of character switch, I don't know, he seems a little bit arrogant times 10 now, a little bit more. You know, heelish, uh, way more heelish than he began uh, in NXT. But uh, I really like what he's doing with his character. And Bronson Reed has, has always impressed me. I'm actually just, I think I'm really, I can't wait to see what they have for him coming up because I think he could be, uh, you know, a great challenger uh, for this time next year, maybe even NXT in, in the NXT world title picture. You know, you never know. I know he can definitely jump in the North American picture right now. Him and Gargano may make for a really uh, interesting mix. You know what I mean? But I like Bronson Reed. I've all, uh, I think he's not only great in the, re- in the ring, uh, I like what they could possibly do with his character because he's one of those guys with his size and what he can actually do in the ring that down the line, if you build up cross enough, maybe – 
he could be a guy, a, a candidate who could take out Cross at some point. I'm not saying he will. I know that's a lot easier said than done, but, you know, Cross is still undefeated. So now I'm just theorizing, like, who could be the first guy to take out, uh, you know, Karrion Cross? So that's another interesting thought right there. <laughs> yeah, about NWC Chumper uh, talking about his 16 years in the business and saying the fight you win, the fights you lose, and the fights you remember. And Timothy Thatcher pulls up a chair and talks about the respect they forged in their fight. And next week they're going to war with the undisputed era. And then our main event is Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly versus Only Lorcan and Danny Birch. Battle starts with Orkin as he announces play out the tension between the champ and his partner. Riley took punishment, but Finn got back in. The quick tags focus on Balor's left shoulder. He always fights free, but a double atomic stomp and leg sweep. That was two. Um, the NXT champ managed to get some separation, but he can't reach Kyle. As Sting Blade finally gets him free and Riley is in, he sends only to the floor and lights Danny up with kicks. Funny forearm, but Birch fights out the submission target in the jaw. He grabs a hill hook off a drop kick and a Brit. Has to tap, so Balor and Kyle O'Reilly defeat them by submission. O'Reilly tries to warn Finn, but he's pulled to the ground as we see Pete Dunne step to Balor. Both the Irishman and his partner try to fight, but the numbers get to him. Colin Strong arrive, but not fast enough to keep Dunne from snapping things. fingers. Good guys hold the ring and draw at the hills of the ramp. Balor and O'Reilly share a knob before Finn rolls out, and this is where we leave things. This was the good stuff. It's been a slow burn. What a match Balor versus Dunne will be. And the thing I liked about Dunne, he had the fingers in his hand, and he thought, have I got enough time? And he was like, fuck it. And he just did it and got out of there, which I think <laughs> looked really, really cool as well, you know? I agree. I thought uh, Balor sold those hands very well. Uh, you know, every, I think uh, throughout this feud, it was... Uh, by the way, I have to say, I got used to Pete Dunne hitting the ring for for an attack. <laughs> you know, after the match. Like, I was just expecting it. Whenever I saw Finn or Kyle or the Undisputed Era in general, I was just expecting the guys to to jump on him at some point. That's just how much uh, it was happening. But, yes, I agree. Dunn looks vicious. He looks like a great challenger. And also, you know, they they did a great job of NXT just hyping out how – I think Barrett was doing, for the most part, doing a great job of highlighting how important this match was, you know, uh, in the U.K., you know, just like for the legions of fans of both guys. So I really like that touch to this whole entire uh, feud. Uh, and uh, this was also another great part of that. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I'll talk about how important that match is when we get to it a little bit later. But we move on to 25 Live, January 29th. Dusty Classic Stark and Shafir versus Shotzi and Moon. Blackheart managed to tag out Moon back to start with some strong white hands and boots. Double underhook super Stark and Moon followed up with a running hip attack. Leaping code breaker drop Stark for a two count. Blackheart and Shafir fought to the floor as Moon trapped Stark in an archer STF crossface to get the win. Uh, nice move to go. Um... Uh, Stark wasn't didn't look too bad. Uh, Moon and Shotzi move on to bigger and better things, and Marina Shafir is just in no man's land at the moment. And then February third edition of NXT, uh, and of course uh, Vic Joseph confirms the final will happen at NXT Takeover Vengeance Day. Uh, we see the opponents get the name ring set promo round to clean the Cinderella story by winning tonight and winning the cup, and it's Caden Carter, Casey Kanzaro versus Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, Dakota and Casey Stark. Kai is cocky, but she's quickly brought down to earth by Kentazawa's quickness. There is lots of great action here. Both women tag. Gonzalez drops Kate into a Pele kick from Kai, but Casey breaks up the pin. Kentazawa helps low bridge Raquel. A kick that rocks her. Casey nails a top rope finisher, but Dakota barely breaks it up. Kai then takes that cart on the floor by wiping her out into the stairs, and Gonzalez ends it with a choke slam on Casey. Uh, and of course, they are through. I like the teams. There was one double team 
Casey moved botch. It was a silly string-esque type move. Uh, but Casey's dive was awesome. The camera work was nice. 6.30 finish was botched. But it was still enjoyable, you know? I agree. Very enjoyable. I still enjoyed the match. Like you said, got a little bit sloppy at moments. It was definitely a frenzy at, 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 towards, that, that, towards the end of it. Uh, but definitely, again, uh, who who I you, you guys may hear this more <laughs> throughout the show, but Raquel, again, <laughs> was just just unbelievably, like, leaps and bounds. And this is no shot. This doesn't mean Dakota Kai also didn't help because they worked together, together well. Just all together, you know, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez have great tandem moves, but Raquel Gonzalez is obviously the one that they're focusing on showing that at the end of the day, you may could, you may have the upper hand for a moment, but it's Gonzalez who's going to put you out of your misery and and here and that there we go again. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, uh, picking up another victory with the Chancellor, they're showing to everybody this is the kind of danger woman in the entire Dusty Cup Classic. We then see Joseph Beth Phoenix give way back a picture of Hacksaw, Jim Duggan and American Pie to honour of his citizenship, which I thought was quite a nice touch. Tony Storm <laughs> talking about a title match at TakeOver. She says EO's been untouchable for everyone because she beat her in the very first, oh, the second ever May Young Classic, I'm going to say. I'm going to get a lot of complaints. I actually, we've actually covered it on the WNR podcast, so anybody can go back and listen <laughs> to it. But I'm sure it's the second one. Uh, we I see Johnny right. Yeah, it's the second one. Yeah, it's the second one, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kyrie was the first, right? Yes, she beat Baszler. She right. beat Baszler in the final, and like I said, Storm and Eo. So there you go, everybody. Uh, we see Gagano giving Austin Fury a pep talk on the way to the ring, and then we see Edge talking to General Manager William Regal backstage. And what I really liked about this was Edge was looking at the brass knuckles which Regal had like um, put on display, and Regal used those brass knuckles on Edge to win the Intercontinental Title at the Royal Rumble in 2002 which was 19 years ago. <laughs> and I just thought, such a lovely little touch. Real, definitely a nice touch. Uh, very uh, obscure, too, to maybe a lot of the, maybe the younger younger fans out there who may not remember those days. Uh, but, yeah, it was nice touch. And, like I said, having Edge there again also after he wins the Royal Rumble, man, how good does it another time, another just the same way it felt when, uh, when Charlotte, came last year it's, it's, it's such a great moment great it legitimizes what nxt is doing now honestly as a brand you know uh so uh just having edge there was also a great thing altogether. but i really do like that moment yeah I think call back. Back. yeah it's lovely you know and austin Fury versus leon ruff was next speed versus power johnny moves in to get involved yet again it allows theory to recover they collide and ruff ends up outside with gagano candace um Callis Ray and Indy Hartwell run out to check Johnny and uh, their Dusty Classic semi-final opponents are out to attack them. Rough fans being punched by Gagano to get thrown out and Leon follows up with a cut from the top rope for one, two, no. Fury's foot on the ropes, he rallies, sends Rough into the desk outside and ATL to get the victory. Austin showing that he doesn't need the Gaganos to get the job done. Yes, it was against Leon Ruff, but it was one of the victories, I think, for the first time. I thought, yeah, actually, he didn't really need them. He went for another ATL, uh, but Dexter Loomis is there. He tries to silence Fury escapes, but we see Loomis ripped out a lock of Austin's hair. Um, Loomis and Fury have probably one of my favourite relationships at this moment in time. And, of course, we're going to go into more detail on that. Uh, but there's just something, <laughs> just something about it at this moment. 
Um, we see Santa Cesar saying Kurt Stallion, Luch House Party, the end is near. And then after the break, we get the origin story of Tian Shah, an honourable king once had a son and a younger daughter. The son was corrupted by greed and killed the father. The daughter, Mei Ying, fled into exile. She asked the dragon to teach her how to get vengeance, which she agreed in return for her soul. He taught her four things to reclaim her throne. Once she had, she realised she had to become what she feared and instilled fear into others. I'm watching this and going, what the fuck is this? (laughs) What What a story time, right? You know? Like, wow. What the fuck were they smoking? (laughs) They really went for it. They went for it. They, you know, it's a a spirit lady. (laughs) It's like, yeah, all right, yeah. Yeah, they really uh, went for it. That's the only thing I got to say about that story. <laughs> is that they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, they went there. They went yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> try explaining that to to your friend who goes, what are you watching right now? Well, actually. Oh, see, exactly, exactly. He's going to look at you, or they're going to look at you in, like you're insane, or like, what the hell are you watching? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They definitely won't think of this as being uh the wrestling that you know you grew up on. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where's Macho Man? Well, actually, yeah, he's not. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we move. You know what, though? Honestly, when you think about it, in WWE, that ain't really that far fetched. I think I've seen people get set. I've seen uh, people get set on fire. We got the the whole funeral home story with Kane <laughs> and Undertaker sacrificing people. I don't know if the kids remember those days. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that is weird like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, we try and move on. It's Lucha House Party versus Legada down Fantasma. And Mendoza starts with Metallic with the technical controls the action and brings his partner in for a head to the takedown. It's not long before Dorado's in the wrong corner. Nifty Springboard double DDT from the LDF member, but Lynch A kicks out. Wild stalks him but gets dumped over the top rope. Dorado fights Mendoza there and leaves him for a springboard. Rano onto Wild. Dorado with Moonsault from the top onto Mendoza. Rano into the ring gets Dorado. But the blind tag, Lindsay is held up for the Shining Wizard STO combo. And that is it. Legado del Fantasma advanced to the Dusty Classic semi finals against MSK. Uh, this was not bad at all, but it looks like MSK are on the way to the final. So oh, the team. Yeah, it was. It looked good right there. It's by this point. It looked pretty good. <laughs> well, I'm trying to work out. So the team that beat my team might win the Dusty Classic. That's what. That's what uh, yeah, team. yeah. You know, I take solace in that. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we see, we see Wesley and Nash Carter congratulate him, but next week they're the next roadblock instead of their rise. And then we see Pete Dunne, the tag champions again arriving. They ended to Finn Balor. We head to a break. We then see Timmy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa warming up for the last Dusty quarter final. Then Dunn hits the ring with only Lork and um, Danny Birch, of course, the bruiseweight, says that he's told Balor to his face that he's not waiting anymore. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm not losing. Uh, last week, we reminded him again, <laughs> slapped his finger. Don't ask me to make it more clear. Uh, that triggers Finn's music. I apologise to anybody from Dudley listening or where Pete Dunn's from. Uh, the champ says Pete is done waiting for him and he looks like a clown. Uh, they look like they're going to get step into it, uh, but here comes Edge, and the Royal Rumble winner has a mic, and he tells the men in the ring that this is good. WWE often focuses on the E, but in NXT the focus is on the second W. And when he watches the show as a fan, he 
A passion inspired him to get his career back and win the Royal Rumble. He puts over both guys as the best in the business. And he'll still be watching their match at TakeOver because he's never held that. And points to the belt on Finn's shoulder. And depending on the fight he sees at Vengeance Day, if he hasn't made his decision yet, the idea of going after that belt may be very intriguing. Uh, this was a great segment. Just give me the triple threat match. Um, we talked about Edge appearing on NXT. <laughs> what did you think of this promo between all three men? Oh, it was great, especially if you've listened to what Edge has had to say uh, in certain interviews outside the ring and how not only was uh, guys like uh, AJ Styles, who's one of his favorites, and uh, you know what Daniel Bryan was able to accomplish to influence him to come back, but he also just talked about how NXT, how that, how that style and what they do wrestling made him love wrestling again. I've heard it, he's literally been quoted as saying things like that. So it was very, very great to to see him say something that. All, not, not only not only did it was it true, it came off as very very honest. It, you, you know what I mean, especially the uh, focusing on the middle W part, the second W. So uh, yeah, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really do not still at this point, even now because I don't think he's made a decision yet. Do not think we will end up seeing him fight for the NXT title, but he definitely. I really love the segment, and I agree. I would love to see. Uh, the triple thread or one-on-one with either or with Dunn or Finn, you know, I would love to see that down the line, maybe uh, at the takeover for Mania or at WrestleMania. I, I agree. It would be nice. Still not sure what he's going to do, but yeah, it's, uh, it was definitely a strong promo. Yeah. Well, one thing I was hoping whilst I was looking at it was going right. Edge is the kind of past. You've got Balor as a present and let's hope Dunn can maybe be the future of the future. company as yeah. well. You know, like, um, I agree. but, we see Johnny Gagano backstage. He's been informed that he's got to face Kushida uh, at TakeOver. He freaks out and storms into Regal's office where Kushida answers the door. He tells Gagano he needs an appointment. <laughs> Jump goes to leave, but then attacks. They brought him to a conference room where the GM and a few producers finally separate him. Again, it's unintentional comedy gold because Johnny's just <laughs> flipping out every time he sees Kushida. And Kushida's look of like, hello? You know? <laughs> like, you know? Right, right. It's, it's funny, though, because also Kushida looks at him. He doesn't really, Kushida don't look like the, don't, do not look like the most menacing person <laughs> in the world. <laughs> So he, it's not like he's making angry faces at him. He just looked like a normal guy. And like you said, Gargano's just flipping out. And poor announcer who was not McKenzie <laughs> just was about to get fired. Because that's what's Gorg- I think that was what Gargano's original purpose was to try to get punished her for even mentioning Kushida's name. Like, just think about the insanity of that <laughs> in itself. Like, you know, it's just great stuff, though. All great stuff from Gargano. <laughs> it's great. And then up. Kamir versus Tony Storm. Kamir actually gets some offense, but it's not long for Mercedes Marcinez. Shows into the ring, goes right at Tony. Jesse tries to get involved, but Stone won't let her. Io Shai rolls in and watches them beat the crap out of each other for a second, then hits a moonsault off the top onto both of them. So the match ends in a low contest, but Io is so cool. Um, we get Kurt Stanley and get the pre tape promo <laughs> to remind, inform us that he won the number contender spot on the Fatal Five way on the 205th episode of 205 Live. Which the dubbing are actually watched. So, yes, it matters. Escobar's been ditching him since, but he's got him cornered now. This is the biggest opportunity of his life, and he's going to make the most of it. And then Cameron Grimes, versus, uh, Cameron Grimes is back next week. Yes, they can't possibly fuck up his gimmick. <laughs> uh, and, then <laughs> ne- <laughs> and then next is Kurt Stallion versus Centos Escobar. Um, we see the championship intros. We see Stalin rally a short lift, but a third starts by evading the charge. 
German suplex forearms and a dive and that's where I was reeling. Back in the ring, Tuck Rose Splash gets two, another cover. Uh, but the champ kicks out. Kurt looks for DDT after stomping Escobar's toes, but gets thrown back first into the turnbuckle. Headbutt from Stallion. Dropkick from the champ. Phantom driver. And Legado, the Fantasma's leader, retains the Cruiserweight title. But one thing I thought is, yes, it's a good match. But does Kurt Stallion sound like a porn star? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, yes. Or he sounds like someone that uh, Matt Riddle would love to be around or, and just to say his name repeatedly, something like that. Uh, yeah, I I agree. Uh, that's definitely one of those names <laughs> that you would see in one of those type of movies. I'm not gonna uh, not gonna say I actually focus on those guys' names. No, 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 no. I think his brother his brother Randy will have a future in the business. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Richard, what about Richard? <laughs> Richard, Richard would probably do well also. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. that's sad because I actually enjoyed this match, and I was trying to think back, and uh, you know, I, I did enjoy. I, I must say this: ever since I came on this show and I said Escobar was overrated, they have been just giving him great things to work with. So. I don't know who's listening, but thank you. Uh, he's <laughs> literally been entertaining the hell out of me ever since then. I don't know if he took it personally or <laughs> whatever, but, you know, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it always happens. But Karen Cross walked down the ramp after the match, uh, and he just wiped out Wild and Mendoza, uh, standing, at, um, standing towards Escobar. And Scarlett joins the man of the ring when he leaves, um, saying that the time is no problem at all. Um are they turning cross face? I mean, I know we've seen a little bit of action. Is turn carrying cross face, or are they going a kind of thing of like he just doesn't care who you are? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter, more of the not caring who you are. And also, Santos definitely asked for this. He talked way too much, way fight talking way above his neck, if you know what I mean. He was throwing unnecessary shots at, at Cross about being injured. Uh, and and it, may, it comes off a little bit as maybe he's turning babyface, but Cross is so brutal. Like, his promo style uh, is just, like, such a like such a monster-like character. I just don't see it being a full babyface type of run. Uh, but, or maybe this is how his babyface runs will be. He'll just beat up the people that, uh, you know, deserve it, and people will root for him in a roundabout way. I, you know, honestly, with NXT, look at Dexter Loomis. Does that seem like a babyface? So no. what? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but this is the thing, and then we see Cross in the car park uh, with Edge confronting him, and he tells him to consider his rumble pick carefully because the end, it won't be Finn or Pete with the title. It'll be him holding the belt he never lost. Edge says those words sound threatening. The thing about threats is that they can be motivating. They just might motivate him to come back He's not sure Cross would like that. That was good shit because you, even if they do something in a match two or three years down the line, you can use that as the kind of starting point. And then uh, the main event is Undisputed Era, Adam Cole and Roger Strong versus Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher, a former tag team champ staff. Ciampa with the early takedown, they trade holes and covers. Each man looks for the finisher and signature spots, but they know each other too well. They avoid the big blows. Each man nods in respect and back into the corner for a tag. I really, really like that. Then the super kick, high knee combo for the era, but Chumpa managed to kick out. Strong with a back breaker, but Thatcher grabs Cole's leg to stop a last shot. They brawl outside. Strong runs in and drops Thatcher on the barricade. And Roddy goes to re-enter the ring. Willow's bell, and Tommaso Chumpa and Timmy Thatcher defeat 
the Unsputed Era to advance to the semi-finals. I mean, this was a great match, maybe a little bit surprised, but Chumpa won. It was thanks, though, to Thatcher making his sacrifice. What were your thoughts on this matchup? Man, I really loved this match. Uh, I enjoyed a lot about it. It was just very, very, like the, the success of suplexes and, you know, running knees from Chumpa. It was, like, very high intensity, like just a flurry of strikes and all types of maneuvers. Like, it was just... It was, like you said, world-class skill between all four men uh, in this match. And the fact that, like you said, Thatcher sacrificed himself. And that, that came into play in helping uh, Ciampa be able to put the match away. It just played perfectly. Again, like I said, they fit together well. And, that, and in this particular case, they look like a well-oiled machine. And I honestly was, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was definitely worried. I was worried about this. Because they looked really, really good. And I didn't know if even the vets could, uh, you know, take them on. Basically, like you said earlier, with the the oddball team is kind of the way that NXT like to go with it. So they may be throwing, like I said, a little bit of a swerve there. And we see uh, the Grizzly Young Vets staring them down to be fade to black. And ratings-wise, who we not spoke about, AEW scored another ratings win over NXT on that Wednesday night. But it had a special break, a beach break edition of Dynamite, and it had 844,000 viewers uh, compared to the 610,000 viewers NXT had. The main event of Dynamite was a six-man tag match between John Mock, Ray Phoenix against AWA World Champion uh, Kenny Omega, or as Jim Ross would say, WWE World Champion, and the Good Brothers, um, <laughs> Omega, Doc Callows, and Carl Anderson won the match. But it's what happened afterwards where they truly had the wrestling world buzzing after Lance Archer and Dan's helped Mox fight off Omega and the Good Brothers. New Japan Pro Wrestling star Kenta showed up and choked out Moxley. <laughs> Why? Well, find out next weekend when we tell you how all this came about. Let's get back to NXT in the Ooh. Dusty Classic semi-finals. We've gone to February 10th, straight to Wesley and Nash Carter's entrance. It's MAK, MSK versus the Gardo Dan Fantasma. Um, the, uh, like I said, the Legado Del Fantasma is their entrance. I think is the most AEW entrance in NXT. Do you know what I mean by that? <laughs> okay, what, what do you mean? <laughs> it's just like, as soon as I see the entrance, it's like the video comes up straight away. You've got that kind of little bit, and then the effect is they come walking down. And I think... Ah, uh, okay. You yeah. know, with, with AEW, you'd always that kind of have that little bit of video beforehand to kind of introduce them. Uh, not that it's a, a shot here or there. You know, I don't, I don't mind either or how they do it. But I just look at them and think... You know, especially as like a kind of three-man team, they're probably the most. You could put them in AEW and they'd fit in perfectly because you know they're good workers, they're a team. You know, you could just see it working. You know, in that way. But they're not. They're in NXT. They're in NXT anyway. So <laughs> they're um yeah yeah. <laughs> and uh, they like you said, the interest also. Honestly, I don't know what it is about their little instrumental, but it adds <laughs> a lot to the uh, to the the presence. You know, uh, and then like you said, the camera angle makes them look like make them look bigger than they actually are. Honestly, also, <laughs> so yeah, I li- I like their interest, but I understand what you mean. They definitely could fit right in in AEW. Well, with the Garden controls, we go to a break, and then Zaguri gets them a scan in. Lee he sends both LDF members to the floor, where they shove his flipping partner onto their opponents. Wells follows up with a dive. He brings Wild in for a cover, but Mendoza pulls him out to make the save. Mr. Old drop kicking a tag to his recovered partner. Wild with a reverse for Varna and a cover, but Carter with the save. Things break down. Wild with a 450 off Carter's back, but Lee gets his knees up. Mendoza drops Carter onto Lee. And Nash gets knocked to the floor. He pulls Mendoza down with him. Lee 
he were running thrust kick to world. Carter tags in. They confirm. They do the heart attack blockbuster for the free count and advance to the finals of the Dusty Classic. Wesley impressed me. I like the way he looks. Uh, I like what he does in the ring. Yes, he's a little bit small, but he's pretty solid. I think Carter might need to work on his body a little bit, but I think that's something that WWE and NXT maybe don't get credit for. I always remember Goldust, and I'm sure there's plenty of other wrestlers, maybe come and might not look the best, but they get solid, you know, and they look like superstars oh, at the end, you know? Um, right, I agree. I, I I love Wesley. Like, again, the hot tags of Wesley. Oh, my goodness. Man, he comes in like uh, just on fire with athleticism. He's so explosive, man. So explosive. And then uh, Legado were going to lose, but look good in defeat. MSK have been handled really well from their debut. They've put it all on there, and it's paid off for them. And then we get a video package for Zia Lee. She's next, off some ads, of course. First, the Mercedes Martinez promo. She says she's worked 20 years to get a title shot on Sunday. And that's why she's come back. This is the real her. Martinez calls Tony Storm a little girl and tells Io Shai her run as champ is over. She's walking out as champion. Bet on that. And then Tian Shah, who is thousands of years old and trained by a dragon, remember that, sits on the stage. Her disciples appear beside her and walk to the ring. Burrow moves Lee's headwear. She draws her sold for a cutter, hands it back to him and gets in the ring, looking literally like fire. Uh, Casey Cancelo and Caden Cartsharp at ringside plead with desire. She isn't her to get him step back and Lee's opponent attacks her from behind and then Zia Lee beats Cora Jade in less than a minute with lethal striking combinations why has no other wrestler ever come up with that fact of a lethal striking where instead of wrestling for an hour you can hit two strikes and get the job done what you know I don't understand <laughs> oh man yeah you're I, you would think we would see it more often uh <laughs> it's, it's, it's also interesting how it always seems to happen when uh you know the, the the lethal striker is fighting someone I've never heard of. It seems to always <laughs> take place, you know, when it's, when it's like that. I, I've noticed these things. I'm starting. I get it. I get what you're saying. Oh, uh, they um, it's still not good enough though because obviously Casey and Caden are storming up the ramp to demand answers for Tien Shah. <laughs> so, uh, runs up, moves her away, and begs her master forgiveness. And uh, Mai Ying, who is now how Wade Barrett at first were, grabs Burrow in a madmal claw and he runs back to the ring and the apron. She runs back to the throne and begs forgiveness. She lets Boa go as the announcers ask the same questions we all have. I don't think it was all the questions we had. Did Wade Barrett go, what the fuck is this? Like, I've got some bad news. No, this is shit. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god! I, all I have to say is, all right. If you want, if you want me to buy into the dragon, you do not have normal normal wrestlers walking up to the dragon lady <laughs> like she's not a dragon lady. Nobody else is selling like they believe the story. So why should I believe the story? <laughs> other than other than Zaya Lee and Boa, no one else is afraid of this girl, this woman. Uh, so that's that's one thing. And then also, uh. Again, she was trained by a dragon. What the hell you need Zali for? <laughs> <laughs> what do you need Bo- Bo and Zali for? Seriously. When you say it like that, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, that, that's the point. This is actual content on television. This is If it sounds ridiculous coming out of my mouth, you know it was ridiculous <laughs> on your television screen. Oh, my goodness. The fact is, we're laughing at it, but... In a couple of weeks' time, when they do a six-man tag match and the dragons, the uh, third part, <laughs> we're gonna know. <laughs> the match in in a charred ring. <laughs> yeah. 
and everybody <laughs> dies. Uh, <laughs> Um, oh my god. Right, okay, right. So let's get back to it. Uh, Karrion Cross wants Santos Escobar next week, and Regal makes the match. We see the way entering the women's dusty semi, but poor Johnny Gagano's in a wheelchair. When we return, Austin Fury's lifting Gagano in the ring as Vic Joseph and Beth Phoenix argue about, about why he needs a wheelchair for a broken arm. Again, <laughs> this is brilliant. Uh, North American champ gets on the mic and blames Kushida for attacking and injuring him. Um, the arm is broken in four places and he's stuck in the wheel- wheels. This gets a Johnny wheelchair charm. He's really bummed he can't have his match on Sunday. He's looking forward to it. He calls on Rigo to suspend Kushida, which brings out the GM. He tells him that the medical team cleared him and he shouldn't stop the charade. The way he puts an X-ray <laughs> on the Tron, showing a bone broken in multiple places. Regal points out the X-rays for the right arm and they have a very funny argument <laughs> about Johnny's given two options. Uh, he's to let him let Fairy wrestle as the summer get later tonight. Garner says we're not doing that. Or you can relinquish the belt. The champ for a few uh, minutes. Regal said he needs to consult with Kushida, who has slipped in behind away. Austin even slaps him on the chest when Johnny makes fun of the GM for taking someone who isn't there. Things break down. Candice tries to attack Kushida, but Fury holds her back. Kushida and Garner have a tug of war with the belt, while the Ray and Indy Hartwell's opponents enter, realising then Johnny's actually not injured. Uh, this was just brilliant, wasn't it, you know? Oh my goodness! Oh, I, I definitely. First of all, I immediately when he came out in the chair was like, "Did he just get kicked in the arm? What? What the hell did he need the chair for?" Uh, but I definitely popped because I realized what was going on. It was just, it's just great. It was just great stuff again from Johnny. You know, uh, the whole regal back and forth, the pulling of the bell. It was just nice, nice, nice heel work to try to weasel your way out of the match. With the uh, with the fiery baby face, uh, but man, again, it was getting harder and harder to root for Kushida in that match just because how entertaining Gargano consistently was. Oh, without a doubt, Johnny's got the hill stuff nailed down, and Raw should know how to seg into two segments. You see, uh, because obviously we had the way making a way, and then we led into the next match. You know, rather than just making a singles match into a tag team, whatever you know happens on Raw. Uh, oh, but then yeah. again, like we said. We move on to Blackheart and Moon versus Hartwell and LeRae. Uh, Blackheart and the Poison Pixie brawl to the outside, and the Hartwell helps Candice go all school for a run. That sends Ember crashing into her partner as we go to a break. The Hills are in control, uh, and then we see Indy tagging in with Candice with Wicked Stepsister and the Hartwell with Springboard elbow drop for a near fall that is broken up by Ember. Shotzi with a roll up for a near fall, followed by a running knee into the corner. Blackheart hits a rope assisted DDT. Moon with the Eclipse to Candice, and Hartwell gets on Candice to save her from a senton. But she's legal. Shotzi pins her. And yes, Pip, Moon and Shotzi are through. This is a really good match. Maybe a couple of missteps. But that Eclipse, well, any Eclipse really is just brilliant. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that? I agree. Eclipse is always nice to see. I love how they make a move like that. They probably shouldn't come out of nowhere, especially when it's a multi-woman situation. They make that move come out of nowhere. So I really like that. I really like that uh, part of Indy Hartwell, by the way, in this match really impressed me, uh, you know, with how well she hung with the other three women in this uh, contest. I think maybe maybe she was getting a little helped along because of the, you know, the talent level of the other women in it. But either way it goes, she did a really good job of not looking out of place and uh, her protecting her mentor. You know, even though it wasn't necessarily the smartest thing, because I don't know how she forgot that she was legal. Uh, it, it still wasn't effective enough uh, finish to where I didn't mind it. And, of course, Blackheart and Moon making the finals. 
is a great uh, thing. And I thought they were another great team that was made for that for this spot. So I, I, I didn't mind it at all. Uh, we then see Safatra and Champa saying that, you know, Grizzly Young Vets are a tough team, but they're going to win the Dusty Cup. Uh, after both, we see Mitchell interviewing Escobar. Uh, he says he's at face that he's going to face Carrion Cross, but he wants Wilder and Dozer to go out there and, uh, well, basically take them out before their match next week. And then we see Finn Balor and Pete Dunn get video package. Each man reiterates their talking points leading to Sunday's title match. Uh, Finn's will be burning of a bridge, not a passing of a, ton, a torch. Dunn says he's heard what Edge said about Balor, but all he sees is a geezer with a glass jaw. Um, I'm so excited for this. This is how progress should be. You know, you talk about uh, development. NXT UK, you know, we start that off and we have someone like Pete Dunn, the NXT UK champion, now moved on to NXT. Can he be the NXT champion? I think, of course. But it just shows you where you can go if, you know, you work hard enough. Uh, do you think, yeah, well, I'll, I'll ask you now. Do you think Pete Dunne deserves this position uh, for the NXT title? Oh, yes, I, be- I believe he definitely deserves it. He, I remember all the way back to war games, how just uh, brutal and how you know, intimidating he can come off. And I think him and Finn Balor, especially with how Finn Balor looks, you know, and how Pete, the way it matched up, the way they just fit together. Now, I thought the timing of this was perfect. He definitely deserves it, especially along with with McAfee. Uh, I don't think I don't know if they're to call the brand or they just together with that that conglomerate. With McAfee out of the way, kind of Pete Dunne is definitely the leader. And even though he has, he don't. I don't. I love also how he has not too much to say, but everything he says. I I believe he mean it it's like to, to the like legit like I, he's that guy he's like a legit uh, ass kicker and I love that about him and that's why I think he's always uh you know a threat to the NXT champion no matter who it is but especially in this situation with Finn Balor yeah I completely agree we then get Austin Theory versus Kushida no entries were right to the action Garno's ringside out of his wheelchair but still selling his broken arm. Uh, we see Austin rolling out and evade a move from the apron, then bulldozes Kushida up for a powerbomb, but Kushida grabs the ropes and transitions into an armbar on the apron, where Johnny nails him with the super kick. Uh, Gagana ditches the sling for the beat down. He shows Kushida the belt and says, you'll never get this. The champ directs Fury to put Kushida in the ring so they can break his arm, but Fury gets dragged under the ring. Johnny tries to save him, pulls out Dexter Loomis. Uh, Fury back out to try and save him, but gets scared and runs into a hoverboard lock in the ring. Gagano runs around Loomis to try and make the save. Kushida gets him in the hold. Loomis grabs Fury for the silence. Kushida poses with the belt as the segment ends. Again, they're building up Gagano and Kushida so, so well at this moment in time. And then we see Tony Storm get the video package saying that, of course, you know, EO's accolades are important, but Mae Young winner, oh, wait, she isn't because I beat her. She says that she's got EO's uh, number and she will be the uh, champion because it will be Tony time. And just like Dunn versus Balor, Tony Storm is again a former NXT UK women's champion. And again, it's a progression, which again, I think just shows you that WWE are doing something right, you know? I agree 100%. I always saw major since the May since the May Young Classic. I always saw a major star in Tony Storm. I knew she had the potential for it, and like you said, former UK uh, NXT UK champion. She was really a great champion at that, you know, and uh, you know had great matches with uh, with uh, you know Rhea Ripley and just all types of uh, just 
things that have already established her and make her ready for this moment. And I think her EO, even with the storytelling of the Mae Young classic, I think is like you said, it's a story there, you know, and it worked really, really well. And Tony Storm, by the way, definitely has the potential to be a future NXT women's champion. She also has the potential to go to the main roster and do big things uh, if she wants to. And if they, uh, whenever they see fit to call her up. So yeah. Uh, I really always, I've always enjoyed what Tony Storm does. Yeah, I think Tony Storm's an excellent talent. We then see Imperium getting a video and A.T.'s Walter's uh, arrival. We then see Woken Wild laid out under a ladder. High Heel Shoe walks by and Karen Cross directs the camera to his face. He tells Escobar that if he wants something done, he should have to do it himself. He might have backup next week. Tick tock. And then the announcers are talking when we hear a noise from outside. The producers switch to that. We see a Lamborghini pulling up. A boot steps out, and it's Cameron Grimes. He pulls out a wad of cash and gives them to the valets. He heads inside and hands out money to everyone he passes. In a ring, he explains that while he was out rehabbing after to the MCL snatcher put him on the shelf, he started playing video games. Then he walked into a GameStop and decided to invest. The stock went parabolic, which went to the moon. Then he found out this was a thing called Dogcoin or Dogecoin. He invested in that. And now he's so rich, you can't tell him not to do. If Mr. Regal wants to try and make him wrestle zombies, he can kiss his grits. Lots of maniacal <laughs> laughter. He throws money into the air and rolls around it. Um, what were your oh, thoughts God. on this? This is great. So now he's a country bumpkin millionaire. They're trying to portray him as I think. But what were your thoughts? Yeah, if you thought he was going to be annoying or you thought he was obnoxious before, making him rich is going to make it, make it even worse. Uh, man, Kiss My Grits is absolutely hilarious. Uh, it's, I'm from southern United States, so I've heard that phrasing used uh, in the past. It's, it's funny to see it on television. I popped for this, man. Uh, the whole stock market thing and the dog coin is just... Uh, it was nice references because a lot of people thought they were rich and called themselves rich because of what has happened recently with uh, the stock market a few weeks back or whatever. And, uh, you know, I just think, honestly, I'm waiting for it. I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but I am waiting for uh, the the inevitable crash. <laughs> uh, and maybe he takes <laughs> one chance too many. And now he's back to broke or like regular camera grabs <laughs> because he took a, you know, a couple investments too many or whatever. I, I don't know why that's immediately what I thought of when I saw this character, but uh, either way it go character uh, promo wise and who he is. I'm, I'm counting on him to still be just as entertaining. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, even with this kind of new character shift, he's going to give a hundred percent, which is why I became a fan of his stuff. Uh, early on in the year, like I said, fighting zombies. Then, if he gives it everything he's got, he'll try and make, like I said, um, chicken salad out of chicken shit. And we'll find out actually what happens, you know, whether it's going to be successful or not. And then the main event is Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa versus Grizzled Young Veterans. Of course, your picks in action. One of the final herders, hurdles. Zach Gibson is running down Thatcher and Ciampa during his entrance uh, promo time. They don't like that. They tap for the bell. Chomper sends James Drake on the barricade and Thatcher throws Gibson into the ring. The referee calls to the bell. The Grizzly Young Veterans are in control. Doomsday device hits, but Thatcher breaks up the cover. Thatcher is sent to the floor by Gibson, but slaps him. Drake with a suicide dive to Thatcher. Chomper tries for the Willow's bell, but Gibson holds on to Drake. He then tags himself in. They hit Ticket to Mayhem for the free count. Yes, that is right. Grizzly Young Veterans defeat Thomas Chomper and to be Thatcher to go to the finals to face MSK. 
at TakeOver. Uh, what were your thoughts on this matchup? Uh, I, I wiped sweat. Oh my man, that was I was worried, man. I was so because, like I said, the impromptu team thing, and then that since Thatcher and Chopper are who they are as characters, it still would have made sense if they found a way to fight MS, uh, you know, meet MSK in the final, uh, because of you know their character work and how how the contrast of styles still would have been there. Uh, so but it was still nice to see the vets pull it out, uh, uh, as they uh tend to do. Uh, with of course great teamwork and just great timing. I love their timing and you know and how they not only did they sep- you know separate Thatcher early in the match, but once they got you know Champa alone, I figured okay we got they, we got these fellas. You know what I mean? So it was definitely uh, a, a tough match. I was worried, but man, was I happy with the result. Yeah, I think without a doubt, you know, when we talk about um, the result going your way. But again, I don't want to keep harping on about this, but like. Pete Dunn, like Tony Storm, the grizzled young vets are the NXT UK blueprint, very first ever NXT UK champions, and now being used on a position of the roster. And I can quite happily say, you know, win or lose at the Dusty Classic, I think we will see them holding NXT tag gold sooner rather than later. I think that'd be right. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so then the announcers run down the full car for Vengeance Day. Each set of opponents make their way to the stage for a stare down. As the match is mentioned, I know uh, some people on Twitter might not like this, uh, but the final image of Balor and Dunn stepping to another one in the ring, I really dug it, you know, and I thought, yeah, actually, these matches is what I'm really looking forward to at TakeOver. I like what they did. I agree. It was definitely different. I was not expecting them to do those face-offs that way. You know, I kind of liked that. It was just, I love unique things, especially uh, when in wrestling, the way, uh, they did that, and I agree. The stare down at the end, you know. Also, the contrast, like Balor and Dunn, they weren't, you know, talking to each other or arguing. They just, it was just an intense stare down, and the, you know, it was like a contrast. Like, okay, this is real serious business. This match right here, like, you know, we have problems, and I, you know, I can't wait to tear tear you apart. So, yeah, I really like that touch of, you know, those stare downs. It was. Uh, definitely unique. Yeah, I think about that, and I think that's so. That's it. We've caught up with NXT uh, since obviously their last special New Year's Eve. We're on the precipice, as it was, of vengeance. Uh, what are your thoughts of NXT this past month or so? And what are your what are your thoughts of the Dusty Classic as we go towards Takeover? Well, I think uh, they did a great job again of not only building other storylines, uh, you know, uh, using the tournaments, but also. You know, trying to showcase, give other uh, people a chance. I didn't, I did not necessarily get a chance to shine, show what they could do. I did not necessarily like uh, uh, how many of the matches were on 205 Live. I honestly, I watched the first week of the 205 Live because I, I remembered that they were there. But uh, I'm not an avid 205 Live watcher, so I actually did not even get a chance to see a, a good chunk of the matches. I, I know I got to see a lot of the te- television uh, classic matches. So if I had one thing to say. Is that uh, maybe a little bit? Maybe I just wasn't listening. I I, I will admit I do that. So <laughs> uh, so didn't even know that some of those matches were taking place there. But honestly, the overall the tournament, like I said, Indy Hartwell. It's nice to see uh, people like that and some of the other uh, people who you don't get to sh- see shine uh, necessarily get shine. Lucha House Party, you know what I mean? Like we said, Brizago. Uh, but yeah, it did a great job of adding fire to certain angles but also advancing, uh, you know, the tournaments well. And I thought everybody who made it to the finals 
made sense being there. Yeah, I think without a doubt. Uh, rating wise, Dynamite again, AEW uh, got 741,000, NXT's 558,000 viewers. Kenta got the last laugh of Moxie by beating him down after the bell, giving him plenty of momentum. Head to their IWGP United States Championship match at New Beginning, which we will cover on March 3rd. But now on to the main event, NXT TakeOver Vengeance, February 14th. We start off with kickoff and Pat McAfee looked rough. Oh, wait, no minute. Apparently that's Brandon Walker. Oh, bloody, I didn't know that. Uh, He's joined by (laughs) Sam Roberts and Wade Barrett. Pat left himself go at the start. Uh, we see Balor arrive and then done with Lorcan and Birch. Yes, they are not defending again at a takeover. Why would you defend the NXT Tag Team titles when the Dusty Classics are taking place? Uh, and then we see Mackenzie and Mitchie. She talks about the Dusty Cups. The women's title match participants arrive. EO looks cool doing that. MSK interviewed. And they are excited. This panel is really awkward. Sam was weak as hosting and the other fucker just stood there but wade saved it but <laughs> but was interrupted by eli drake he says he will put wade out of retirement if he gives him any stick and he is la knight he's looking for gold <laughs> and of course eli drake has signed a deal with WWE, who is going to start win nxt this is his second run he was billed as slate randall as he <laughs> worked for nxt oh 2013 oh and 2014 God. um <sighs> he was taken he was tag team champion of Scott Steiner uh, and then was known as a global championship in August 2017. He recently competed for NWA. Uh, he and James Storm had won the NWA tag team titles in January 2020. Um, what were your thoughts on this? I mean, do you know a lot about Eli Drake? Um, are you happy that he's on board now with NXT? Oh, I'm not going to lie to you. I do not know a lot about him. I, I liked his work, uh, like, more recently in NWA. I'm just gonna be honest, I really absolutely despised his character in TNA as Eli Drake. So I don't know if he did a great job or if I just didn't <laughs> really just didn't like him. That's just how bad I, I – you know what? He didn't do a good job because he was one of those channel changes. Like, I would change the channel just out of frustration sometimes uh, with the few times I watched TNA. Because I'm not going to act like I watched it all the time. And, uh, you know, some people may know way more about him than I do. But I was I do. I must say this. The promo, uh, not only on the pre-show, but, uh, you know, I uh, I know recently the most recent promo he gave also was really, really strong. I really enjoyed his promo. So, I, you know, I I definitely like what he was doing in NWA before he came to WWE. So uh, maybe, you know, he's doing good. But man, what was his name in 2013? That was absolutely (laughs) Horrible. Just wait to bury your kid before you even give him a chance to start. Wow. You, you can imagine Vince Man going, your name kid's going to be Slate Randall. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's, oh, that, that's just bad. Who's going to cheer for, for Slate? Can you even chant Slate? Can you even chant Slate? Slate, Slate, Slate. That's what he wanted. Randall. Mm-mm. Um, anyway, we get Kushida Johnny promo into a dumb battle promo. It was a naff kickoff. Time to start the show proper. What were your excitement level for this event and the matchup you were most looking forward to? Uh, I was very excited. Other than the name that I had, I had to kind of get it. I was like, oh, okay, Vengeance Day, you know, all right, whatever. Uh, but, you know, it, it, you know, I, I, I leave that alone. It was what it was. I, I saw what they were trying to do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the the match I was most excited for, uh, you know, it's gonna be probably a tie between Kushida and Gargano and Balor and Dunn. 
Not that I wasn't excited for – I was pretty excited for most of the match, if you want to be honest, because everything on the card was well-built. But uh, mostly, like, top-notch, definitely Kushida and Gargano, the main event done in battle. Yeah, I think that uh, – and I think the thing is with takeovers, it doesn't matter how much you build them up, they always seem to deliver. Even the worst takeover is better than, you know, your standard wrestling pay-per-view. And the show so, opens with a rest, Wrestle & Flow music video – um, this was brilliant. It's completely different from every other opening promo. I actually hope the song's on iTunes. This was really well done. What were your thoughts of the opening of the show? Because it was something completely different. Yeah, I think uh, Josiah Williams is the guy who uh, raps these out. And, uh, man, I really enjoyed that. I've seen it on social media before the show even launched. So when I saw that it was the actual open, I was actually very surprised. But I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed, uh, you know, not only what he was saying and how how well it tied together with the song. But, yeah, it's definitely unique. It got you pumped up for what was to come. And, uh, you know, I, and I also didn't I think the same night, didn't he debut another song? So, uh, yeah, I think so. But I don't know. I could be wrong. But either way it goes, I definitely enjoyed the end. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a great way to start. We get Vic Joseph way back, Beth Phoenix some commentary. The set looks like other takeovers, but they did have that AEW, uh, AEW entrance ramp, as I call it. I know other companies have had it in the past, but it was kind of there uh, as opposed to anything else. And the first match was Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, Dusty Rose, tag team classics. Um, who would be the very first women's Dusty Classic winners? I love Shotzi's entrance, you know, with, with the tank and the way she does it. I think Moon's added a little something to the character as well. Um, it's just fun, and I don't think there's a lot of fun in wrestling nowadays, you know. I agree, and, I, and they did fit. They fit well, like the Mad Max type of theme that uh, you know uh, Ember Moon has been going with lately fits so well on that tank. Uh, with Blackheart and them matching together, looking like a legit team. Yeah, I, I, it was a great look. It was definitely a great look. Well, Gonzalez dominated early and often, bowling over the baby faces and establishing dominance. Attacked to Kylo, allowed Blackheart and Moon to seize the upper hand. They worked over the previously injured knee of the hill, cutting her off from her partner. This did actually make sense. Kai finally creates separation and tagged Gonzalez into the match. She tossed her opponents across the ring, even sending Blackheart crashing into the guardrail at ringside. When Shotzi's rest is in my mouth, because I'm thinking you, the way she, <laughs> it's just with no care or attention. You know, it's like the, yeah, the health I, and safety manual has not been filled. At all. I wrote down another life-altering bump for Shotzi. <laughs> Again. So, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, man, she definitely is one of those people that makes you just like, you're going to react to it, to the bump she takes. It's like one of those scream out like, what? Like, she makes me feel like I took the bump with her. Like, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah, That's how bad it is. Yeah, it's true, though. The Moon uh, moon managers fed off the hills, though, and hitting the clips. But Kai gave her partner enough time to kick out. Shots she recovered in a hot babyface comeback sequence. A topace who was seen in a springboard code red to Gonzalez. Earned a babyface a near fall for Blackheart and Moon delivered a modified doomsday device to Kai on the floor. Fuck me. That was brutal. Yeah, man. Oh my goodness, man. What what a what a whew. man, the bumps taken by everyone involved. Oh man. But yeah, yeah, that was one. I definitely that's another one of those like ah <laughs> like you 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 like I said, you sell it also. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I could not believe it. And then Captain Koto somehow recovered line, broke up a submission attempt by Moon on Gonzalez, saving the matches for the hills. Gonzalez cap a uh, cap cat- 
catapulted even, moving onto the stage and then off it. Blackheart answered with a splash across the back of a larger opponent. Gonzalez and flattened Blackheart before Kai joined in for a double pinfall for the win. So Gonzalez picks up every win for a team in the Dusty Rose Classic. The fireworks and ticker tape goes off as Regal presents the trophy to the winners, who actually seem genuinely happy. Uh, what were your thoughts on this matchup? Man, I wrote it right here. Capital Loves, a damn good match, man. It was really, really good. The right team won. Uh, you know, the false finishes, those insane balls taken by everyone. Every, I think everyone, at least, every woman in the match had one bump where it's like, oh, my God. It's, you know, they, they really did a really good job, you know, and they – they showcase Gonzalez again. Like I said, every it seems I may be repeating myself, but she was in she looked invincible even in this match. Even with all that insanity going on, the I knew the only way those uh, Blackheart and Moon had a chance. The only way they had a chance of winning is if they found a way to get Gonzalez out the way. You know what I mean? And that's just how great that she looked. And man, what a if you want to like I said, if Rhea, if the match with Rhea Ripley will start making this entire run is also. Just showing you that man, she's dominant. And if I'm EO, I don't want nothing to do with, the, with Raquel the way she's wrestling uh, recently. But uh, I gave it four, uh, four and a half, 4.5 out of five. I really enjoyed this match. It's a great way to start the night. Well, this is the thing, and with Gonzalez now with a victory, she even if they lose their title match, she can blame and look like even bigger badass by just destroying her, you know, and focusing on singles competition. Uh, it may be some spots were a little bit sloppy at time. The camera showing Moon calling the spots during the match as well wasn't yeah, great, but true. there was there was some sick bumps though, and a really great match. All four gave everything. You're gonna give it four and a half. I'll give it a four out of five for the start of takeover. But a fantastic match. Prediction-wise, well, the Dob and I had a triple threat to compete in because we were going against not only yourself, but also uh, at Brandon Scans, who's been challenged us for predictions. Um, we start off with the Dob and I went Shotzi versus Moon. And the reason, and again, I'm not going to make excuses, right? But the mm-hmm. reason I put these is because, well, the women's tag team champions are heels. So surely a face team would make sense. Right. But... What the fuck do I know? But anyway, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon and yourself both went Dakota and Gonzalez. So we, uh, I start with zero. Uh, you're on one point. Brandon is on one point. Of course, we're keeping close eye on the scores as we go along. Poll wise, Kai and Gonzalez got 59% of the poll. Uh, next match, Johnny Gagano versus Kushida for the NXT North American Championships. The way with smiles and a happy dance as Johnny made his way to the <laughs> ring. But <laughs> again, Loomis joining the crew, silently kidnapping Austin Theory. As Johnny makes his entrance and goes for the high five, <laughs> he realized it. He's like, where's Austin? I felt bad for Poppers. I popped for him getting kidnapped, and I felt bad for him. He got ethered, and I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. It was great. It was great, though. It was great stuff. You wondered what role he would play, and then when you did that, you go, oh, that's just brilliant, because I, I'm not lying to you. I had to rewind it, because I thought, where did Austin Fury go? And then I, I went back. <laughs> And Loomis is out going, oh, right, that's, 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 that's fucking clever. And then Johnny sends Indy and Candice to look for him. So then it is like kind of legitimate uh, one-on-one match. But Kushida made it abundantly clear from the opening bell. 
They intended to target the left arm of the NXT North American champion. He injured it, looked for his trademark hoverboard lock at every possible term, uh, sometimes to his detriment. Gagano challenged the takeover, reminding fans why he is arguably the best wrestler in the history of the event by countering, reversing and cutting his challenger off at every term. This was fantastic wrestling. When Kushida looked for a hold, the champion rocked him with a superkick. At one point, uh, especially with the action early in the match, I was just thinking, this is incredible. It was just so brilliant, wasn't it, you know? Oh, my goodness, man. From the beginning, the mat wrestling, the submission attempts, and like you said, the storytelling of we know what Kushida's looking for. And like you said, Gargano showing what he can do is just a technical like masterpiece because he was reversing out of everything. And every time you thought... Kashida had momentum and was, you know, was going, you know, there go Gargano with another reversal. It was just, man, I agree. I midway, not even midway, like before we even started to get, before it started the match, before the match broke down and really started to really go into that next gear, I was already saying this is some special stuff. So I agree 100%. I definitely uh, noticed that this was a special match. Oh, it's fantastic. You know, move for move, you get the double clothesline, one of my favorite, you know, kind of spots that you get. Um, we, we see them, you know, suplex locked in the apron, rolling through. It was, again, beautiful with a time split attempt to the hamlock suplex from the top rope. Gana countered into a twisting, twisting suplex. It was like they were glued to one another. It was I, I, I never kind of seen anything like it, the way it worked so well. Jockling position for the mat, fast and furious, cross arm breaker, applied Gagana with a pin, stereo allowance into stereo slaps. Both men down and out. He applied the Gagano escape and he forced the submission. Kushida fought out and kept his championships alive. And then late in the contest, uh, Kushida applied the hoverboard lock in a dramatic spot. Gagano, always resourceful, fought his way to the ropes and then the arena floor. Um, but even then, when he had it in, Kushida's looking at the referee and saying, did he tap them? Because, you know, Gagano's arm's going down. And Kushida's saying, look, 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 look at it. And, you know, uh, Johnny managed to take it outside of the break. Uh, throwing him into the barricade. And then the fight's built onto the entrance ramp. Kushida dropped him and sprinted down the ramp court with a kick to the arm. At that point, I'm thinking this is the beginning of the end because Gano, uh, though, showed his in-ring awareness, dropping his opponent head and neck first across the ropes. And then consecutive one final beats by the champion earned him the hard full win. Uh, what a match this was. Oh, my goodness, man. I absolutely... I was glued to the TV screen. You know, I was that invested into this match. I agreed. The facial expressions. Uh, it reminded me also, and I'm not, again, I know I probably come over here sounding like a big New Japan mark, but I'm saying it reminded me of that style because of how, like you said, emotional it started to get, even like you said, for Kushida and even Gargano's desperateness to escape uh, Kushida was definitely uh, reminiscent of some things I've seen, especially the submission style of a lot of wrestlers in New Japan. But from that that long running start arm kick, you know, uh, man, I, I I popped. That was an incredible moment for me. And uh, you know, down the ramp and kicking the arm and uh, you know, using the ropes to escape. It was a, a reversal I was not ready for. You know what I mean? It was it came out of nowhere, but it was so cleverly done. And Johnny Takeover was on display. And you know, he won the match with no funny business. You know, because of what Loomis did. There were no, 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 you know, distraction. If you want to say using the rope is kind of dirty, you know, I don't know. It seemed kind of legal. It, it was legal to me, so I, I like it. I don't. I, I thought it was straight up too. You know, uh, those spike DDTs. I, I honestly thought this is another takeover classic for Gargano. Man, I can watch this match any day. I was happily wrong that Kushida, uh, 
you know, the, about picking Kushida in this. I really, really was happy with, with Gargano's performance and Kushida's performance also. I think this elevated him showing what maybe people who aren't familiar with what the time splitter can do. Maybe some people were enlightened and awakened to what he can do. I gave this match five stars. I absolutely enjoyed every second of it. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I really like Kushida. I think he's been on a roll recently. It's the little things in the match. You won't see a more technically perfect match than this and what these two guys done. And, I, and again, it's Johnny Takeover arrived. And it's like a, a Shawn Michael, you know, Mr. WrestleMania, whether it's comparison. They were sank in his eyes. But Kushida tonight, or as you know, the event happened, matched him. And when it happens, it's like, it's a work of art. You know, they talk yes. about canvas, painting the picture. That's what they did. This is why everybody loves professional wrestling. If you didn't like the match, then stop watching wrestling. Um, I gave that a 4.95 out of uh, five. The only reason I didn't give it a five is because I mm-hmm. thought there's Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne later, and I, I, I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't want to say this is it, and then have to change it maybe a little bit long. Um, Prediction-wise, Dublin are, are having a shocker. We put Kushida. He had all the momentum. Maybe we should have known. Uh, Brandon went Johnny Gagano, and of course you went Kushida. So at this moment, Dublin are on zero. Monty is on one and Brandon is on two. Uh, polls, Gagana got 57% of the uh, result, which again is not that surprising. And then uh, backstage, we see Mercedes Martinez, Tony Stormonier, Shy preparing for their matchup. And our next match is the Grizzly Young Veterans, uh, James Drake and Zach Gibson versus MSK uh, for the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic Finals. Uh, like I said, for the second consecutive year, your picks are in the finals for the Dusty Tag Classic. Zach Gibson cut his usual entrance promo uh, to the ring. And uh, it's such a great promo as well, not only from uh, Zach Gibson, but the building up to the final match. It made you think that NXT actually cared about tag team wrestling, you know? I agree 100%, man. It, it felt like one of the more important matches on the card. I, I, do, I, do, I, I did immediately, though. The first thing I wrote down was man what a tough match to follow uh but uh i was uh definitely still looking forward to this match and i agree for some like i said for a brand that for the most part seems to be lacking in the tag division they definitely built this one up the right way yeah about that well double team city clears the ring wears off the ropes suzuki special takes him out nash follows with a plancher gibson cuts him off the ring with an elbows and a neck breaker and then Gibson and Drake isolate Nash Carter early in the match, cutting him off from Wesley. Using quick tags, they pushed their opponent into Carter, ducked a heel kick by Drake, and finally made the hot tag to Lee, who sparked an energetic babyface comeback. Lee wiped out the opposition with a plancher over the ring pose. This was lovely stuff, landing on his feet. You talk about a hot tag, doesn't get any hotter than that, does it really? Oh, my goodness, man. Again, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but see, that's my point. He does something absolutely insane on every one of them you know uh and man man what a like you said that's the only thing i can really say about it is just like another one of those moments where it's like when he gets in the ring this match is on another level now it is something else we see a running knee to the Gibson rock lee gibson delivered helter skelter and drake followed by a 450 splash but the combo only kept the resilient baby face down for two, Carter re-entered the ring and delivered a standing shoot. So Presley added a reverse runner to Drake. The game of one-upmanship continues as Drake slid across the ring for a doomsday device on the arena floor to Lee. 
and then an assisted back to double combo failed to put Carter away. MSK recovered and rocked the opposition with a stereo super kicks for Lee finish with a springboard net breaker for the win. Uh, and then MSK get the ticker tape fireworks and Regal uh, on the stage. Really, really good stuff. Um, what were your thoughts on this matchup? Man, I love MSK. Again, the teamwork, the speed, and again, the creativity. And, you know, the announcers, though, you know, honestly, the announcers, once they started focusing on more personal stories about Carter's father and, you know, MSK's background as a whole, I definitely immediately was worried for Grizzly Young Vets' chances. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I was proving, my, my worries were proven true. Uh, you know, they used their craft, GYV used craftiness to have the advantage for a while. And like you said, it was definitely some one ultimateship, you know, uh, but that suicide doomsday device almost made me want to give this match four stars alone by itself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like that fire fighting spirit at the end from Carter when he, he seemed to be alone. But when, when it was at that moment, I was like, yeah, MSK has to win this match. This, Matches built perfectly for them to win. It was just another damn good match. I had to give this one a uh, four and a half. I was rooting for GYV hard, but I cannot be mad at that story. And and Burke, Birch and Lorkin, um, yeah, better watch out because I, I I I can see MSK pulling off an upset possibly. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think about that, and it's a shame that like I said your team. Uh, but, I mean, to be losing finalists is not bad at all oh, to no. go out on, you know. It's not like they got knocked out in the second round to, you know. You lost to the winners, though. You lost to yeah, the winners. Yeah, <laughs> we got knocked out for the team that won. Yeah. <laughs> See, we both lost to the winners, so we can't feel too bad. Yeah, that's true. That's, I didn't think about that. Um, these two teams can feud over the tag goal for years to come if oh, they yes. won. You know, there's a shed load of commentary, uh, uh, shed load of chemistry, sorry, uh, between these two teams. Yes, I agree. I think this can be, like you said, a few. But you throw, you throw teams like Imperium, you throw uh, like again, Birch uh, and Lorkin, and you like now you have the makings of a pretty exciting tag division. You know, you add maybe one or two more, you know, face teams in there, and there you go. You know, so. I like what they're doing, and maybe this can be the start of what we've been, you know, asking for for the last few podcasts we've done together, which is more focused on uh, tag team wrestling in NXT. Yeah, because the thing is, this was as good as any tag match in AEW. You know, what was put on there was as good as anything that we've seen. Uh, my only complaint is Lee maybe shouldn't have recovered from the Doomsday device to the outside ah, so uh, quickly. Agreed. Agreed. You know, it was a killer, and uh, he's just thinking, oh, but again, it, it, we're going to see these two teams face off and hopefully deliver fantastic matches throughout. Uh, like I said, I'm going to give that a four and a quarter out of five. Uh, fantastic match. Prediction-wise, uh, <laughs> W&R went Vets, um, Brandon went Grizzled Young Vets, <laughs> and of course, you went Grizzled Young Vets, so no one oh, saw MSK winning there. Uh, so the <laughs> scores are still Brandon 2, Monty 1, and us on 0. So we are naught for free when it comes for matches uh, at this moment. Ooh. The prediction king, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, um, 55% LaPole went grizzled young vets as well, so they got it wrong. Um, we then see a Cameron Grimes video package highlighting his newfound GameStop stonk trading wealth. Uh, one thing I did think, with the amount of money that Grimes has got, couldn't he afford to go to the moon now? <laughs> Fair. He needs he need to talk to Elon or, you know, go to Houston. 
uh, <laughs> talk to NASA. He definitely probably could. To the moon. I, I mean, I'm be honest, I like this package too. By the way, man, I was singing the little song to <laughs> yeah, the moon. <laughs> man, I really like it. I don't know why. Yeah, that I got me. Was, but I liked it. The, the banjo and the, the hip hop beat. It was just. I'm not used to that combination. So, oh man, I loved it. I loved it. I just love the fact Vince would invest like so much in taking him to the moon just for that like, one promo of being there. <laughs> <laughs> so, God damn, we spent two hundred million on a wrestler. Like you know, just just brilliant. Uh, anyway, backstage, Pete Dunne is taping his wrist while only Lurk and Danny Birch hype him up. We then cut also getting ready, and then our co-main event is Yoshii versus Mercedes Martinez versus Tony Storm. Another fantastic hype video for this one. And uh, neither NXT Women's Champion Neo Shy nor challenges Tony Storm or Mercedes Martinez were willing to wait for the instructions. Instead, they took the fight to each other from the moment all three set foot in the ring. Martinez established dominance and it caused her 20-year journey to the top of the women's wrestling, fueling her. She stretched Storm until Shy broke it up. The champion looked to capitalise on punishment, already dished Martinez, applying an STF on Storm. Um, Martinez joined it, which was a cool visual. Uh, the cool visual, the three of them hitting the submission at the same time in the centre of the ring and then flattened the champion with a reverse suplex. Again, I like the camera angle on that. Martinez and Storm fought up the top. The former bringing the Aussie down with a released German suplex. Still hanging in the verbal trio. Whoa. Martinez had a big foot stomp to the chest from Shy. The veteran recovered and delivered a Death Valley driver around with Shy to the pexiglass separating fans from the performers. The announce table collapsed, which... I guess changed things a little bit because Tony Storm went, ow, okay, and then just moved on a little bit. <laughs> but they continued to brawl around the ringside area until Shai launched herself off the scaffolding around the ring, wiping out both competitors out the floor. Wow. I mean, EO just does think in a match where he's just caution to the wind, you know? Another awesome-ass dive off something very high by Shirai. Like, that's just, it's really, I can't put it any better than that, like, it seems like every takeover or every big, uh, you know, match she has, we're going to see something <laughs> very memorable. You know what I mean? And she, she's like you said, I, I, I need to find another word for cool. Yeah. <laughs> so we just stop. Yeah, no, it's it. just, it's just, she, I think we just call it EO. And yeah, then when something, EO. you know what I mean? Oh my right. god, she just looks so EO, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? I think that yeah. would work. We need to coin it. She is the definition Even that, of cool. Hey, you're looking shy today. Might be a bit confusing for some. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> <your ride? laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but anyway, well, it was credible. Martinez then sent the genius of Sky into the ring steps and back inside. Box Storm with a bad knees. Storm recovered and delivered a Storm Zero finisher, but could only keep Martinez down for two. A diving headbutt followed. Well, more of a jump off the top rope, wasn't it? But before Storm could <laughs> reap the reward, Shine from out of nowhere of a moonsault covered Martinez and successfully retained her title. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? I um, I have to admit, you know, uh, I love the way Mercedes started the match. She was about the action, you know, no no introduction needed, you know. I like I like that. I love like the moving parts. I honestly, and maybe I'm just again, I'm biased. I really love the triple threat format. I don't know if I've ever even seen a triple threat match that I didn't uh, or a bad triple threat match. I'm not saying they don't exist. If so, please, you know, tag me in it. Let me see a couple because I, I like some. Well, okay, never mind. If they're too bad, don't don't tell me about them. Just let <laughs> yeah. let me uh let me keep my imagination intact. Uh, but <laughs> uh, either way it goes, uh, I definitely uh like love this match. 
the only problem I had, it was, it was a big thing. You know, of course, some things didn't go as planned as we saw. The finish let me down a little bit because I thought the match was going great, but the finish felt, uh, you know, you know, abrupt, if you know what I mean. It just came out of nowhere. I thought it could have been a little bit more of a dramatic thing, more false finishes maybe. But it was still a good match, so I, I thought it was about four stars maybe. And I, I do not mind EO retaining at all. No, not at all. But again, uh, my only thing was it felt more like single matches than it did like all three at once. And sometimes it, I agree. You know, to do that is a little bit difficult. Uh, but again, they all delivered here. Um, they, I mean, the look on the the the, the paint on the face of the challenges suggests that their championship chases maybe are not over. Uh, we might see uh, a rematch coming sooner or later. Uh, I think that would be the best thing because you asked what's next for um, EO after this. Is it a continuation of the feud with like Tony Storm Martinez? Because there's no one really else apart from like we talk about Gonzalez in the future, but that's a f- maybe a few months down the line. Would you say? Yeah, I believe I believe so. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna push the Raquel thing back a little bit further, uh, maybe. Uh, and I think Tony Storm maybe is the way to go. Like you said, their history. Even though this, you know, she didn't pin uh, Tony in this situation, and also, uh, you know. They still have that debt to settle from the Mayon Classic that Tony still can say, I have your number, even though you won the triple threat match. And I think that can continue, especially the Tony Storm EO part. As far as Mercedes go, I don't know exactly where she in particular goes from here. Maybe she continues to attack one of them and, you know, whatever. But, I, you know, I don't know exactly where she goes. That's kind of my mm-hmm. question. But Storm and EO, I think, definitely have uh, a future together. In another yeah. uh, high-profile match. Well, I think without a doubt. Uh, my scores for that, I gave that a four out of five as well. Prediction-wise, WNR went for EO. Yeah, I got my first point of the night. Get in there <laughs> in in the in the co-main event. I got the first point. Um, you went for EO, and of course got the point. And more importantly for you, Brandon went Tony Storm. Ah, so. Yes. <laughs> that means that means Dubin R one, Brandon two, Monty two, all to play for as we go into the main event. Uh poll wise EO got thirty six percent of the vote. Um and then we got to see footage earlier today of LA Knight as we talked about Eli Drake signing some So it just shows you there was no point watching the kickoff whatsoever. That's half hour of your life <laughs> that I could have get back. <laughs> That's nothing. Um <sighs> <laughs> anyway, main event time: Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne, NXT Championship. This was good build-up, but for for me personally, um, a lot of people in Britain and Europe, this is a dream match. And you know, there's a couple of reasons from it because obviously with British wrestlers uh, coming across, you know, you, you got your British Bulldogs or your William Regals, but it's few and far between. Between, and you know, with your Wade Batch, your Sheamus, your Drew McIntyre's, who were kind of like the the last, you know, couple of generations ago, so to speak, they had that size. And with Finn Balor, he was the smaller guy who had to kind of work his way up. Obviously, as you know, through uh, going to Japan and just around the world and getting that experience. And whereas Pete Dunne was a guy in England just cracking through it, you know, and to be able to see him perform and, and work his way up as well. And if it wasn't for Pete Dunne, where NXT UK and that brand and where it was, you know, he's a huge component. So when you put that into it against a guy who's, you know, uh, first universal champion, it's a match where, and these two guys have never competed. And, and in wrestling, it's, it's so strange when two guys not even met. 
You know, I know they say like first time meeting on NXT or WWE, but never because every time Dunn would go somewhere, um, Balor would then be moved on or be the star and not being put in that position. So it's really interesting. It brings a sense of intrigue to the main event as well, doesn't it? You know, I agree 100 percent. Like, I, again, uh, not only uh, since, you know, from my point of view, the storytelling of that, you know, that element that they have never even been able to be in the ring in like over a decade or at least almost a decade of doing this, uh, man, you know, it's, it's insane, you know, to think about that, because like you said, it's rare that they're actually telling the truth in those yeah. situations. It's usually, yeah, these guys never met in a WWE ring, but they have met plenty of times all over the world. You know what I mean? So it, it's, uh, it's great to see that actually be legit, but shh, I'm gonna tell you this right now. I couldn't tell. I could not tell they have never met before. Cause the chemistry was, man, we'll see once we get started. Man, the chemistry yeah. was great. Well, again, and we talk about the, the, the build-up and the promo to it, and the, the promo of, like, Balor saying he's cut from a different cloth. Uh, you know, he's, he's operating at a different level, as Edge said. And, you know, Dunn saying he just sees, like, the poster boy with a glass jaw. It's a fantastic story. Big fight feeling. We get the foreboding music, you know, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, which I think just adds more to it as well huge chant for done you know only 27 years old as well the world is in front of him and we see early grappling gave way to each competitor focusing his attention on a targeted part of his opponent's anatomy Balor focused on the knee and neck while done target the jaw fingers and shoulder of the nxt champion um this just everything that these guys did um i'm never bored in a pete dunn match because it's the little things it's a even when they're fighting for submission and he's trying to turn in one way and Balor knows if he goes into that, he's going to get caught by it. You know, I know we saw it in the Kushida Gagano match, but this is kind of a more European British style to it as well, if you know what I mean. Exactly. I agree. And I cringe every time he starts manipulating joints. Uh, you know, his, even like you said, his transitions uh, between submissions and just the mat, uh, the, the, the mat wrestling that he do, he did a shoulder lot that made me scream out in pain. <laughs> like literally just looking at it, like, oh my goodness. Like I I, I agree hundred percent. Every little thing done, that's that's what I like. Like you said, uh every is every little detail that he does adds an element to the match that it just makes you it just invests you completely into what what's going on. Yeah, it was incredible. Balor trapped Dunn into an STF looking for submission win where the challenger grabbed hold of his fingers and jammed them into the mat. I mean, bloody hell, you talk about them. The, you, like you said, you watch it, you go, oh, fucking hell. Like, ooh, yes. like, yeah, oh, my like, goodness. Ooh. I did that multiple times in this match. Just like, what the fuck? Just like, fuck. <laughs> like, it, was just pl- it was plenty of times, plenty of times. It's that, it sounds like someone's listening to you, just like you got Tourette's or something like that, because you go, fucking hell, Jesus, <laughs> shit. Like, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. watching NXT, it's fine. No, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm fine, everything's fine in here. <laughs> oh, fuck, follow um, Yes, yeah, so anyway. It, but his knee was still smiting from the focus attack by Balor. Dunn stumbled across the ring, but still managed to down Balor with a set-up powerbomb for a close two count. Uh, Dunn stomped the shoulder and then the fingers before Balor answered with a shot to the knee. Balor delivered a shotgun drop kick and scaled the ropes for the coup de grace. Dunn caught the prince coming off the ropes with an angled choke, which yeah. was brilliant. Uh, he sapped the fire out of Balor with a hold, but the champion still managed to reach the ropes, forcing a break. Balor unresponsive. At this point, I think the ref maybe should have called for the bell because Balor is not responding whatsoever. Dunn's right. got the kind of beat. 
Um, maybe a little bit of, I want to say, an experience from Dunn, because, yes, he has been in NXT UK and fought these types of matches. But in this kind of environment, maybe he should have gone for the cover straight away rather than trying to pick up Balor. Maybe that's what I hope they're going for, if you know what I mean, in my, in my mind. But anyway, right. Dunn attempts to put his opponent away with a better end, but Balor countered him as attempt in 1916. Dunn delivered more joint manipulation and used Balor's own arm to perpetrate a low blow, which again, so, so clever. The Bruiserweight yes. delivered a better end, and at that point, I thought, this could be it, but Balor managed to Balor managing to kick out just at, you know, they say like three and three quarters. This was uh, three and 28, eight, whatever it is. I don't know, man. I don't know. It was close. It was close. Very <laughs> close, though. Very close. I agree. I thought it was over. I, yeah, I, not, I, I, I thought it was over. I did. Yeah. I was about to say, not many men have got their shoulder up or managed to kick out out of that. And you see a frustrated Dunn trying for a powerbomb, but Balor countered into a DDT. And it's the way Dunn sells it as well. And the way Balor hits it, and Dunn just goes like face first, collapsed into the canvas, which is just a fantastic visual. But uh, st- uh, Dunn still has Finn's hands, which is, a- again, the talk about like they just can't be separated. Uh, yes. stop managed to get the separation. The champion removed Dunn's mouthpiece uh, in one act of gesture, rocked him with a low dropkick to the mouth and added the coup de grace. The 1916 finished him off and Balor retained. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Absolutely. Just, oh man, it's just perfect, man. Again, I mentioned cringing at the joint manipulation and the way Finn Balor was, I don't even know if I would consider it selling. <laughs> I guess it was selling, but he sold the fingers especially after the match, the way he was holding his hand. And it was just, I saw a lot of great uh, memes and gifs on, on Twitter after just like how hard, like Finn Balor, you know, having to have put his hands in ice for the rest of the week and just all types of just funny jokes about how, you know, he had the whole, I, I, he couldn't, I don't know, he barely could hold a belt. That's how well he was selling what had happened to his fingers. Like it felt like Pete was going to not leave any fingers left for any usage. He was Man, it was really, really great. Uh, the counters, the submission wrestling from both men, you know, uh, you know, just a perfect pass- package of striking uh, and viciousness. And like they were creative about the vicious. Like you said, Pete Dunne keeping the wrist control consistently throughout, even like you said, great reversals and comebacks from Finn. Uh, that that coup de grace to a triangle hole. I don't know if I've ever even really even seen that reversal. Uh, for that before so that was great it was it was just uh, it was just really really good it was i enjoyed it it was very brutal and honestly i think we have two five-star matches i couldn't i like you said i that's why i kind of 100 percent agree with why you gave kachita 4.9 because i could not give that five stars and not give dunn and bella five stars so that's really how much i enjoyed both of these matches for similar but at the same time different reasons because that's all. I love how similar those matches are, but at the same time, they're completely different uh, because of the little things, if you know what I mean. But it, again, and to make to your, the point that you made earlier, as well as the fact that Kushida and Gagano have been feuding now for the past three or four months, you know, they've, they've got, they've worked together in matches, they know each other. This is the first ever meeting between these two, and it ended up like that. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Insane. Insane, man. Insane. Like, yes, um, I was very impressed by that. 
I mean, for me, this is what British wrestling is. You know, you talk about your Jackie Palos back in the day, your Johnny Saints, your William Regals, your your, your Fit Finleys. You know, and, and these two guys, you know, Pete Dunne, it is the, the talk about the next generation of this. And it is fantastic to see uh, like a, a proper, you know, all in all, just like it, it didn't have like amazing high spots. It didn't need to. It told us, you know, who was better. Dunn said he was bad. I thought he was, and they fought over it. And the, you know, the better man on that day came out on top. That is what wrestling should be. Again, like you said, it's a five out of five match. I can't, you know, not give it that. That was incredible. Um, Prediction-wise, now this is the big one because we know what the scores are at the moment. Uh, so the okay. WNR will get us. We'll get us out of the way first. WNR picked Finn Balor, which is fine. So final scores: <laughs> WNR on two. So now it's down to Brandon and Monty. And Monty, of course, went uh, Finn Balor. And Brandon also went Finn Balor. So ah. it ends in a draw, 3-3. Free, free. But look at the bright side. You both beat me. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, again, uh, I mentioned this earlier. I'm taking solace <laughs> in, in another victory. Uh, yeah, I... Of course, I want the victory, but I honestly, I'm not mad. I'm gonna be honest with you. When we, when you said that we were tired going into this, I get, gave myself little prayers, like please tell me he picked Doug, please tell me he picked Doug, please tell me he picked Doug. Uh, but you know, again, I can't be mad at that. Like you said, we beat you, so that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, anyway, uh, poll wise, Balor, seventy five percent vote. And then after the match, well, only Lorcan and Danny Birch attacked, leading to a 3-1 beatdown of the champion. But the Undisputed Era hit the ring, making a save. Like we've seen uh, before, Kyle O'Reilly assured Balor he was cool with him, only for Adam Cole to shock them both with super kicks. The former champion walks away seemingly disgust, leaving Roger Strong to wonder what he just witnessed and what it means for the most dominating faction in company history. What are your thoughts on that? Man, this this was absolute chaos. Uh, I expected at the real, as I would say, the real Adam Cole to show up at some point. Especially, you know, I know that he is the he was the undeniable leader, so I was kind of expecting him to to do this at some point. But man, I was still very very shocked that it happened then when it happened and how it happened. Especially the super kick on Kyle O'Reilly. Not so much what he did to Finn. You know, that wasn't as shocking, even though when he did it. It was definitely a, the great timing with them looking like they were about to pose together, uh, you know. Uh, but, you know, again, I think we all were Roderick Strong <laughs> yeah. after that. Roderick yeah. Strong sold it perfectly. His face was – I think me and him were making the exact same face when it happened. Like, we all were like, what the, what the fuck is going on? What's going to happen? Like, what's next? Like, what does this mean, like you said, for the Undisputed Era? And – I really enjoyed that, though. It was great. It was a great moment. And it's going to – I think we're looking back on it. We're going to look back on that moment and as the beginning of a very, very strong Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole. Yeah, but this is the thing, and, and then I think this is what takeovers are so great about because, you know, we'll talk about the incredible action on show, but it's like the cherry on top. It's like the old takeovers of the Undisputed Era debuting and attacking Drew McIntyre after, you know, retained the NXT title. Um, DIY, you know, uh, Tommaso Ciampa turning on Johnny Gagano. This is another one of those moments at a takeover that seems to happen. And yeah. I think this takeover tonight had, 
kind of everything. We've seen that the kind, you know, they used to do a guy in the crowd. We've seen Eli Drake's gonna, you know, debut here, and we've had that angle, like you said, uh, and it completely changes where NXT is gonna go in the next couple of months now as well. You know, I agree a hundred percent. I I think that's one of these. I don't know if they, if, if it is a, a written rule, but it feels like an unwritten rule. You never just you never cut off. Take over, yeah. you know, it, you know exactly. Like you keep watching, even if they show the little logo at the bottom, you keep watching until that screen cuts to black because something could always happen at the end of a takeover. You know, no celebration is usually without some teaser of the future, so it, it's always exciting uh, to to watch that. And I think that's a great element to have. It's something that not only the main roster but even other companies lack is that element of okay. What something could happen at the very tail end of this show. Let me keep watching. And uh I'm always hyped to watch takeovers through and through because like you said, we're guaranteed to see something special, whether it's in the ring or whether it's storytelling. Yeah, and also I love it because you always get those people who kind of leave, you know, bef- even before the match ends or, you know, as they're just walking out to leave at the arena early or turn it off early. And I love the fact that they'd be watching, you know, T V the next day and be like what happened at the end of the takeover? Oh no, I turned it off. And he'd be like, Yeah, serve you right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. stick stick with it at the end. Um, so anyway, match of the night. Um, this was incredible takeover. We're gonna talk about it. I mean the scores, I mean four and a half, five, four and a half, four and five, and they're your scores for the matches. Mine's four, four point nine, five, four and a half, four and five. It like I said, it it the matches itself were fantastic. And you had is it fair to say two legitimate match of the year candidates here as well? Uh, I agree 100 percent, you know, even though and and that's not necessarily common on the same show. You know, two two matches that could, you know, definitely go down as matches of the year. I wouldn't be mad if either one, you know, honestly, maybe I'm leaning more towards Don and Balor. But you, I wouldn't be mad if anybody told me Kushida Gargano was a match of the year off this. It was just great. Like, I agree 100%. Overall, for the whole show, I had to give it a 9.5 out of 10. And it was just that enjoyable. I enjoyed everything about it. Like, from the, the segments, uh, like you said, the music spots, the intro, all the way into that that absolute bonkers moment <laughs> of the finish, of the of the ending of the show. Uh, and like, oh man, it just this is what this just shows you just how special takeovers can be, you know. If even if you don't watch weekly NXT television, you can just come and view takeovers, and I promise you will enjoy every second of it, you know, for the most part. Well, it is the thing, and again, it's two and a half hours, and it's like you, you look at it and you go, oh, it's not like a you know takeover sometimes three hours like with the War Games or other pay per views. You go, oh god, but two and a half hours is a, is a lovely little time. You've got your five matches today. You've got your two and two, as it were. Have a break before the main event if that's how you want to do it. It always kind of works out. Always kind of delivered. I would agree with you. I'm going to give that a nine and a half out of ten as well. I, you know, of every take that we had, it just had everything. Like we said, it had, it had great matches. It had, you know, uh, not title changes, but we had the award of you know, the Dusty Classic. We had the shocking moment. We had the arrival. Um, so we've got match and rating. And I just want to say, we usually pick out an MVP, you know, a person who, who impressed us the most. My nomination for this one, I don't know if you can agree or not, is just the entire NXT roster that took, uh, that had a match at this takeover. Because every single one of them, it would be unfair to pick out one individual when everybody just gave everything, you know? I agree 100%. Like, it, it wasn't anything that I 
had a huge problem with at all from the show. Any not any decision, not any like moment in a match. So like you said, I can't get you couldn't give it to Johnny Gargano and then not want to you know award Kushida or not want to award Dunn or not want to award Finn. Like I agree hundred percent. The entire roster deserves credit for this show because from the beginning to the end. This is this can stand to be one of the strongest cards. You know, I can't wait to see what the rest of the year has to offer, cool. but they're going to have to really, you know, really do something special to stick with that card because that that is special. Like that's that's a potential, you know, already network special of the year. Yeah, as I mean, not to be too graphic or rude here, but it's literally NXT, you know, getting it out and going bang on the table, match that. You know, and everybody else is going, fucking look at the size of it. You know, it's it's one of those things <laughs> where, where TakeOver is just given everything. And now it's A's debut chance and, and WWE to go, okay, we've got to kind of match that. Because it was incredible. And you can't, it's, it's difficult when there's an event and you think, um, me talking this up, am I going to get complaints? I don't think anybody's going to have a problem or complain about this takeover, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. If you are, you know, again, I think you mentioned earlier, either stop watching wrestling or just shut up and explain your biases that you have against the product because I don't see how anyone who considers themselves uh, interested in wrestling can watch that show and not come away with their jaw drop multiple times and just, you know, I, I literally want to do a standing ovation in my house. Like that's how, <laughs> like that's how much. Not only that's how much I miss going to shows. That's just how much I was impressed uh, by this by the, by the card. It was just that. It was that great. Yeah, it was fantastic, and uh, what a great, you know, like I said, what a great way. If if twenty be uh, is not been as great as everybody, you know, has been thinking it has been on the back of twenty twenty. At least we've got professional wrestling like this to kind of get us through these dark days you know and uh and at a time where everybody needs something i mean this is escapism at its best for two and a half hours you know i think that's fair to say an incredible event anything any final thoughts on this takeover but i think we've pretty much said it all now haven't we yeah i think so and the only thing i will say is that if i ever just you know i'm bored or i need some good stuff to watch or anyone like you said because she two mad those two matches especially those two the main event and the Kushida match, but really the whole card. This is something that you will show someone who may not be a fan, and you tell them, "This watch this, and I promise you, if, like you said, they will come away from this show entertained. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else we could say other than it was just another perfect takeover. Uh, they could go – I don't know. What about, like, where this rank all time? Like, they have so many strong wow. takeovers. Who knows where this could possibly rank? Like, it's up there, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely shut up there now, you know. And uh, as I said, the pleasure of watching it is probably only joined by the pleasure of having you on the podcast to talk about it, you know, because it's not only the the, the laughs that we're having as well, but it's been able to get into it and look into detail about why each match is as good as it has been as well, you know. I agree. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I definitely enjoy these podcasts and, you know, Two hours have passed, and I honestly haven't even really noticed it because I had that much, not only stuff to say about the show, but that's just how deep that me and you can just really get into this stuff. And I, I really enjoyed every second of the show and watching NXT these last, not only this month, but, uh, you know, that, that takeover, man. It was all, all of it has been great, and I, I'm very appreciative of being here, being able to do this with you. Yeah, without a doubt, mate. I 
I am here. And if anybody's listening to this and you're in your car or you've not watched Takeover yet, stop what you're doing. Even if you're performing, you know, maybe if you're not performing brain surgery, but you know, if when you finish that, <laughs> go watch Takeover uh, and enjoy it because uh, it was fantastic. And that is it. Don't forget before we go, our follow of the week is Glowing Gloria. We're across all social media: uh, Twitter at the WR Podcast. I'm at the WRJR. Do you want to just uh, let them know where you are, mate? All right. Uh, at Mind Monty uh, Pod. So, you know, M-I-N-D Monty, M-O-N-T-Y Pod on Twitter. That's where you can find all of my links. I'm working on getting a link tree so you can just get everything that I'm doing. I'm also working on blog, working on a blog and maybe possibly a YouTube channel in the future to go along with the Mind and Monty podcast. But until then, support the pod and, you know, hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to talk back with you guys and get to know get to know any more of the people who've been uh, able to listen to me and uh, I thank you again for having uh, for this platform James and man I love doing the WNR podcast and I cannot wait to talk about some new Japan next week yeah, without a doubt, you know, it's going to be fantastic. Don't forget to dive in also on Facebook and Instagram. Send us an email at podcast at gmail.com on YouTube as well. Uh, same time, the podcast got up on YouTube. Let's do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Spotify and iTunes. Make it down to subscribe, rate and review there. So that is it. Like I said, our next episode will be the WWE Elimination Chamber. But the next episode with you, like I said, will be the New Japan. Uh, it will be John Moxley versus Kenta. Um, just quickly, just to leave them wanting a little bit more. Um, <laughs> okay. why, why is this such an important moment in time? You know, with, with Moxley and Kenta being involved in each other, why is it so, such a special time for wrestling? Well, uh, for all the people who may be unfamiliar, there was a slight, especially at the beginning of uh, the making of AEW, conflict between AEW and New Japan. You know, of course, uh, but Kenny Omega being one of their biggest stars, the Young Bucks also. Even Cody worked uh, plenty of times in New Japan, and they left. They started their own thing. And, you know, the former president of New Japan had problems with that. Uh, he's been he, – he's not there anymore. So people have been hopeful for months now that AEW could work out a working relationship with a, uh, New Japan the same way they're doing with Impact. I'm not sure anything is official, but what this could mean is that we can get so many more interesting, uh, you know, scenarios on not only New Japan, uh, but also AW television. A lot of people are already ready to do, uh, you know, WWE versus the world, basically, uh, kind of. You can just see, you can hear, man, the, the hype after Kenta showed up and how many people were just excited for what's to come and so many uh, possibilities that this one match could open up. But I will caution everyone, and I'll speak more on this next week. Uh, this thing has been in the works with Moxley since he's all, he's still under contract with New Japan. So see, until I see a New Japan talent touch someone who is not under contract that I know of of New Japan, I don't know if the door is completely open just yet. It may just be a nice crack. But what this could mean <laughs> for the wrestling world is that it just opened up so many great possibilities across all types of platforms. It can make Wrestle Kingdoms bigger. It can for uh, for New Japan. It can open up Impact Wrestling. It can improve money for Impact Wrestling, especially in this time in a pandemic where everyone is kind of you know uh, working their hardest to try to do whatever they can uh, in this time. You know, without being able to get live gates. I know it's hurting pretty much every promotion. You know, uh, with that. You know, any any uh, well WWE included. So. You know, 
I think what it's capable of is what got everything so 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 everybody got so so excited because of what could possibly happen. And uh, well, so I, I'm definitely part of that. But like I said, it, it's gonna be trust me. This is all what what's to come could be some of the biggest moments in wrestling that ever happened. And that's what I think a lot of people are hoping. And there we go. And that's what we're gonna discuss the next time we're together when we talk about the forbidden door and the relationship between what is going on and also bringing you the results of, like I said, John Moxley versus Kenta. But until then, I have been James Rowlands and on this incredible NXT takeover Vengeance Day show, I was joined by the very talented uh, mind of Monty. And again, mate, like I said, it's always a pleasure having you on. It is such a laugh. And like you said, it's two and a half hours that just flies by as well. Agreed, and I thank you once again, uh, the Dubinar Podcast. I thank you guys for allowing this to be a, another platform for me to express uh, my feelings on wrestling, and adios, I can't wait to do it again. Well, it won't be long, but like I said, thanks for listening, everybody, and have a good one. Bye. <laughs>